0: It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with
2: Ariel The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, January 12, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio. Thank you so much for joining us on a frigid Monday here in New York City. Frigid times. January, the heart of it all. Very cold all over the United States, but uh, it's very warm in here. And I hope if you are at home right now or at work or somewhere in between, maybe on a commute somewhere, I hope you're you're checking us out and uh, excited about today's show because you know what? I am as well. Relatively quiet weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. There was an RFA show, but other than that, not much action. Perhaps giving us time to catch our breath for the next three weeks. Very busy three weeks. uh, This weekend, World Series of Fighting, Bellator, and the UFC all have events. Pretty big events. Of course, we'll talk about those. We know about Conor McGregor in Boston. That is this Sunday. Very interesting turn of events for the UFC because Conor McGregor will be fighting Dennis Seaver in Boston. All accounts right now seem to be that the arena is close to sold out. And the event, at least the prelims, will be going on at the same time as the New England Patriots versus the Indianapolis Colts, which will be taking place just a few miles away at Foxborough Stadium. So there'll be some competition, but uh, if you're worried about media coverage or fan interest... It appears to be that uh, that won't be a problem because most of the tickets are sold out. It's all Conor McGregor week right now. Fox Sports One doing a bunch of new shows about him, and there's one airing tonight. If you're watching this live, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time, I have a small part in it. It's called UFC Rising. It's a beautiful show. I suggest you check it out. And then, of course, next week we have the Sweden event, and then January 31st, it's Nick Diaz versus Anderson Silva. So, what are we talking about today on this show? 3.05, we're going to be joined by Rory McDonald, who, of course, you heard me, I believe it was last week, going a bit of a rant about him not getting his title shot. We'll ask him what's up with that and what's next for him. 2.45, we're going to talk to Matt Brown. He's supposed to be fighting in February in Colorado, but right now he does not have an opponent, so we'll talk to him about that. And then to complete the the welterweight trifecta, in fact, no, we have a, a quartet of welterweights, uh, 2.25, we'll talk to the former welterweight champion, Johnny Hendricks, about potentially getting a third crack at Robbie Lawler. And at 2.05, we're going to talk to Kahal Pendrit. Cahal Pendrit in Boston. This man was born in Boston, left at around, I think, four years of age. Moved to Ireland, of course, part of that SBG team with both Conor McGregor and Paddy Houlihan, who will also be fighting on that card this Sunday. UFC Fight Night 59. I'm over the numbers, by the way. UFC Fight Night Boston. The numbers are ridiculous at this point. It's a fun card. Uriah Hall right now, it appears as though they're working on an opponent for him, but they don't have one just yet. In fact, just five minutes ago, I reached out to his team to see if he'd want to come on the show. I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, he is still on the main card. As of right now, Luis Taylor pulling out and also getting cut as a result, which is kind of rough. At around one we we're going to go Inside the Vault. This is a very interesting Inside the Vault this week, one that I never thought we would actually feature, but very apropos. 125, we we're going to talk to John Kavanaugh, our good friend over at uh, SBG Ireland, the head coach there. He's in Boston right now for a very big weekend for his team, for the country, for the island of Ireland. Um, we don't have Skype, so we won't be able to see his hotel robe, but he assures me that he is wearing it. And in a couple minutes, we're going to be joined by Brandon Gibson, who is the head coach, excuse me, the striking coach of one John Jones. And also, I will remind you that at around 325, we're going to take your questions and comments. So hit us up using the hashtag The MMA Hour. That's around 325 and of course, there's a lot to discuss in the world of mixed martial arts, uh, in particular as it pertains to Mr. John Jones himself. Last week when we were on this show, New York Rick and I were arguing about the, the, the finer points of his career, uh, the minutiae, if you will, talking about is he the greatest of all time, will he be the greatest of all time, all this stuff, and that seems like an afterthought at least right now because the following day... Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports reported that John Jones on December 4th had tested positive for the main metabolite in cocaine. And then, of course, as the story unfolded, we found out that the Nevada Athletic Commission probably shouldn't have tested him for cocaine on December 4th, a month before the fight. Uh, They called it, according to Bob Bennett, the executive director of the NAC, an administrative oversight, an anomaly. And then they said that on December 18th, their next random drug test, they did not test him for recreational drugs. So then why was he tested? administrative oversight. And then all of this stuff came out about his, his testosterone to epitestosterone ratio. He checked himself into a rehab, according to the UFC. Brief statement was put out by John Jones right now. He's not doing any talking. Uh, there is a Nevada Athletic Commission hearing scheduled for 4.30 p.m. Eastern time later today. They're going to talk about this, why he was tested, talk about whether or not things like cocaine and marijuana, recreational drugs, which are not banned substance out of competition— if they should be banned substances. In competition, as far as Nevada is concerned, and the World Anti-Doping Agency Code is concerned, is the 12 hours before fight and any time needed after the fight to collect any samples. Anything more than 12 hours before a fight is considered out of competition. So things like PDs, HGH EPO, all that stuff, steroids, they're all banned in or out of competition. But recreational drugs are only banned in competition, not out of competition. So all those people trying to compare the situation to the likes of Nick Diaz or Matt Riddle or Julio Cesar Savage Jr., you're not looking at the facts. Those tests happen in competition. Joneses happen out of competition. That's the brief primer here, but let's get into our first guest of the day because he knows a whole lot about this situation, John Jones, and everything that we're talking about. I'm talking about Mr. Brandon Gibson himself, uh, highly respected, striking coach, part of the team, Jackson Winklejohn, uh, which of course is based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He joins us right now on the phone, right here, live on the MMA Hour. Brandon, how are you?
1: Good, Ariel. Thanks for having me.
2: It is a pleasure, my friend. I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time, so great to have you on today and, and to kick things off with you. So, you know, let's get right into it. Uh, you know John very well. You're a very important part of his team. He's called you his secret weapon. What was your reaction when you found out that, you know, on December 4th he had tested positive for this?
1: Uh, you know, I was sad. Um, you know, obviously I care first and foremost about John as, as a friend, that uh, a father, fiancé, son, brother. So I, I was sad to hear that he called me a couple hours before the news was released. He didn't find out until right before himself. And, uh, you know, he, he was very apologetic about the whole situation to the whole coaching staff. and uh, Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to ride that high a little bit of, uh, of beating D.C. That was a huge accomplishment for us that we put a lot of work in, and obviously this took away from that, but uh, it definitely brought to light a much more important issue that we have to face.
2: When's the last time you spoke to him?
1: Uh, I've talked to him twice this week. Um, while he's, he's doing his rehab, uh, someone is going to be outpatient, follow-up stuff so I didn't get too many details on that but um you know we just talked more about his process through this and and I'm going to support him through it you know it's not my job to to diagnose or counsel John all I can really do is be there for him as a friend while he goes through this
2: is he still in rehab right now
1: um you know when I talked to him earlier this week he was uh I haven't talked to him in a couple days I know he's going to plan on transitioning to more outpatient stuff and, and do follow-up treatment for the considerable time being. So as far as today, I don't really know the exact status of it.
2: So, you know, when people hear that um, that any kind of person, especially a, a famous person, checks himself into rehab, you think, wow, this is a major problem. To the best of your knowledge, is this a major problem for John Jones?
1: Um, you know, I, I didn't see any giant signs or, or signals through camp. John was probably more disciplined than he's ever been as far as the work leading up to the D.C. fight. He wasn't late for a single workout. You know, I see him multiple times a day, but, um, you, know, you know, I was focused on his, his performance objectives, and I didn't really see these, these signs, but um, maybe this brings to light some other things that he's going to uh, have to work out.
2: Do you feel as though, I kind of went through the brief timeline at the top of the show, do you feel as though he has been wronged by the Nevada Athletic Commission because they are admitting after the fact that it was an administrative oversight to test him for recreational drugs? It's not a banned substance. I'm not going to get into whether or not you know doing this kind of stuff is good or bad for you as as, as just a human being, illegal. We all know what cocaine is. But at the end of the day, they are saying he should not have been tested for this. Do you feel then when you talk about a young guy who makes a lot of money, has endorsements, all that stuff that he was, he he was kind of wrong by them. This should have never come out.
1: Well, you know, I, each athletic commission is different and some of them really follow more HIPAA guidelines. Um, I don't know. I, I think in my place, it wouldn't ever be uh, up to me to disclose someone's private medical history or background or or progress of someone that was even in recovery. Um, But I know there's, a silver lining to this, you know, I know John's going to come out of this, a better person. He's going to come out of it more disciplined. So, um, you know, as far as the the NSAC releasing it or not releasing it, whatever, or even doing it after the the fight was over, I don't know how much bearing that holds. Um, I'm just, I'm just happy that at least John is dealing with it. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I was told that John only found out on the Monday after the fight. Is that accurate? Did mm-hmm. you guys have no idea this was going on or this was going to be announced that he tested positive leading up to the fight?
1: No, not at all. Uh, yeah, John had called me that, that Monday evening, and uh, he had just found out and he told us, and today hey, this is going to be released tomorrow publicly, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if this reflects poorly on us and the work we've done. But, but immediately I was just right into, into friend mode, into support mode, and uh, you know that's what he's going to need most from me right now.
2: What was his demeanor like? Because you know we we all know he's he has stumbled, he's human, he he has made mistakes, public ones in the past. But uh, what was he like when he called you and and told you that news?
1: Um, somber. You know, and I I told him, hey, I'm I'm going to be there for you. I'm I'm going to show a lot of patience through this, and uh, and stay focused on. The objective and the goal of coming out of this, yeah, I don't know. Without these mistakes, it's definitely a hard thing to hear. Just because he's such a good friend, Mm -hmm. and I know the personal side of John, so it it was hard to hear.
2: Are you a little worried? You know, on this show last week, we were we were debating whether or not he is the greatest of all time right now, Um, and he's so young and he's done so much in such a short amount of time. Are you worried that? he might cut off his greatness. Like I, I threw out a theory last week that if he's able to rebound from this in the short term, he's gonna make a whole lot more money. You know how people like to dissect good guy bad uh, good guy John Jones versus bad guy John Jones. But long term, are you worried that much like many other combat sports stars, that he might not fulfill his greatness if he gets involved with all this stuff.
1: You know, it kind of reminds me of a like a famous customato quote where like nothing's more tragic than seeing a fighter be defeated by himself, Mm. you know? And I think when John is focused and disciplined, uh, he he is the greatest fighter of, of his generation and maybe the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. I try not to think of it in those terms because, you know, as John's coach, I'm always worried about the next practice and the next sparring session and kind of tackling it one workout at a time, one day at a time. But, um, yeah, I think there's some some truth to that, and uh, I I don't want to see John ever derail himself. I know he's capable of great things. I know the team are capable of great things, and if we keep this uh, this course on the proper navigation, we we can accomplish that.
2: You know, after his win over Daniel Cormier, he was talking about how excited he was to move to Albuquerque full time because the gut would no longer appear. He'd be in the gym. You know, after a week uh, of, of completing the fight, he was going to be in the gym. It, it was somewhat, you know, uh, it was talked about often that, you know, after a fight, he would go back to upstate New York and disappear for a few months. And then getting that fight, he'd come back to Albuquerque and and, and start to shed those those pounds in that gut. Uh, do you feel like now more so than ever, it is a blessing in disguise that he is moving to Albuquerque. He'll be around you guys full time and you can help him get back on track.
1: 100%. Um, he's super interested in growing between camps. And uh, as a coach, it's always been a challenge. You know, he, he goes to New York, he does come back out of shape and typically uh, the coaching staff and his team, we spend a couple weeks getting him into shape before it really becomes you know, targeting on what we need to do to defeat whatever opponents up next. So it's going to be awesome to work with him in between camp, and, and I know his strength and conditioning coaches are excited, and uh, Wingle John and Izzy and Greg are all excited. And then uh, with that, you know, hopefully we can just continue to get that strong support system he needs as he uh, tackles you know
2: whatever issues
1: he's facing
2: here. To the best of your knowledge, has he moved yet, or is he in the process of moving?
1: Oh, no, he's moved here. He's moved here. Okay. So he's in Albuquerque right now. He uh, he has two places right now, but I know he's looking into consolidating just everything here into Albuquerque.
2: What's it like for you? I, I know you started working with John uh, prior to the Rampage fight, right? UFC 135. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you work with a lot of the, the top names at Jackson Winklejohn. Is it any different when you're working with the Michael Jordan of MMA, the you know arguably greatest of all time? Do you have to deal with John a little differently, or can you honestly say that you treat all the fighters the same?
1: No, I don't I don't treat all the fighters the same. It's not because of maybe their status as champion or contender or up-and-comer or anything like that. It's just their personalities in a... I think John, out of out of all the fighters I train, is the most artistic. And he, he strikes me as a musician in a lot of ways where um, he works much better when he's inspired, when he's motivated. And, and tapping into John uh, mentally, psychologically probably takes a uh, greater role than some of the other fighters I train more, like Tim Kennedy, who's very strategic and uh, want, wants to apply, you know, certain moves to a game plan. Not that John doesn't have that, but uh, John, John's an artist.
2: Were you relieved when you found out that he was moving to Albuquerque full time? Like, is it a little frustrating to have to start? You're not quite starting at zero when he comes in there because he has those God-given skills. But it's not often where you see a guy start his camp that much out of shape. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Of course, I'm I'm excited. You know, it's incredible what he's accomplished, Um, doing it the way we have done it. But seeing him get stronger, and there's definitely areas we need to improve on with John offensively and defensively. So it's great to be able to tackle these things right now, complement his already incredible skill set, but not having a, a specific opponent in mind. You know, maybe Gus, maybe Rumble. But right now, it's like, hey, let's just make a better John Jones. Mm. And uh, that, that's what I'm really excited about. And I'm excited for him just as a teammate to help you pushing these other guys. You know, we'll have Alistair coming back soon and Oloski coming back soon. And we have some great up and coming middleweights. So just John is kind of a becoming a team leader. So and everything Port- you know, John, John's getting older. Sorry, Ariel, but John's getting older. So, You know, some of these earlier camps when he was a young champion, it was easy for him to bounce back in shape. And, you know, it's not going to be that much easier as he gets older and older. So um, him maintaining that strength year-round will be that much more important for us.
2: So, of course, you focus on the striking aspect of the game. Um, And you mentioned there are still some things he needs to work on. What in particular do you feel like he needs to improve on as far as striking is concerned, offensively or defensively?
1: Um. I don't want to give away all the okay. technical specifics, but you know, there's fights I watch with John's where he takes more damage than I feel like he should. And, um, as a coach, that's, that's probably my biggest concern. I want all these guys to win their fights. I don't want them to win it at this super great price that in 30 years, we're not going to be able to have a conversation and remember these fights. That, that's much more important to me. So the less, trauma the less injury all my fighters can take the, the better it is for for them for their families and for all of our futures
2: of course i'm sure you were happy that he beat dc but what'd you make of his performance did you think it would be a five-round fight did you think earlier on i mean dc won a round according to uh most you know uh, official judges mm-hmm. and unofficial judges such as myself won at least one round i mean overall how would you assess his performance in that fight
1: I, I thought John did an incredible job. I think there was more pressure on him in this fight than we'd ever faced. And, uh, DC, wow, what a great martial artist. You know, we knew we had our hands full before this fight was even announced. He's been on our radar for a long time. And, uh, DC skill set is, is amazing. Um, I didn't think we'd be able to finish him. I, I was thinking it was going to be a five round, you know, a grueling pace. Um, a hard-fought battle where we would have to take away uh, some of the areas DC was comfortable in. He, you know, DC was king of controlling the pace in a lot of his fights, you know, Barnett and Mir and, and Henderson, and we were going to have to be the ones to dictate that pace. I think John did a really good job of that, um, not allowing DC to rest, keeping the pressure on him, out grinding him up against the fence. So. I, I was really pleased with the performance. I was pleased with the camp, and uh, I think he applied a lot of uh, the things we really focused on throughout the fight.
2: Do you have a preference as to who he fights next? Uh, I know he's going through a lot of stuff, but everyone's assuming and hoping he does fight again. Uh, would you prefer it's the rematch against Gustafson to uh, perhaps shut up those doubters, or do you want a fresh opponent in Anthony Rumble Johnson?
1: Well, you know, I think John... John wants to fight a lot this year. I think he wants to come out of this rehab situation stronger. I think he wants to stay more active this year, and especially being at Albuquerque. He, he just wants to be active. Um, you know, he only fought w- once last year, so it would be great to see him go three times this year. As far as the opponent, um, you know, I'm super intrigued with the, the Guts and Rumble matchup. The first Guts system fight was one of the worst i don't want to say worst but um it was a rough camp Mm. uh we you know we were trying some new things john brought in some new people and um i just don't know if the discipline was there like we had in fights prior or after that and then um rumble is is a very intriguing opponent uh stylistically and i'm always up for a challenge i know Gus has evolved a lot since his fight with john um I already have notes going on both guys. I'm going to be prepared. Uh, right after that fight, whatever happens, we're going to be on it.
2: Are you the one responsible for that 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 cheat sheet that he always talks about? We saw him showing it. <laughs> is, is that what you are? Uh, you are known to bring to the table among many other things.
1: You know, it's a it's always a collaborative effort. Yeah. But um, I am kind of the record keeper when it comes to that stuff. That's my handwriting. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, I work super closely with with A. Z. and with Greg and Wink, obviously, and as a team of coaches, we all come together so well, especially for John's fights. You know, he will be at all of our striking classes. I'm at the wrestling practice. Everybody's with Greg. Everybody's with Wink. So um, that's, that's one thing I love about training John is just working with this team. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And,
2: and I'm curious about your eyes. You, you are, are you 30 years old? almost 33 i'm getting ready to have a
1: birthday here next month but yeah relatively young in yes
2: the yes and you don't see a lot of uh, young coaches uh in combat sports and and correct me if i'm wrong you wanted to be a fighter but you realized and especially after a serious injury you realized early on that you had more of a passion for the coaching side of things but at what point did you realize like what was that that moment where you were like you know what I, and I feel like I would kind of be the same way. I, I really enjoy that. I mean, not comparing myself to someone on your level, but I can see the satisfaction and the greater satisfaction than one can get from molding a fighter and watching him go out there and executing the game plan and, and winning titles and big fights and whatnot. When did you realize that that was something that you enjoyed doing more than the actual fights?
1: I don't know. I'd, I'd say probably my early 20s. Yeah, I've been a lifelong martial artist. I started at at six years old, I was one of the late 80s karate boom kids, you know, but I, I was always evolving as a martial artist, and Albuquerque being such a great fight town, it was always easy to, to find martial arts. You know, I grew up with people like Holly Holm and Diego Sanchez and Carlos Condit. Albuquerque is a small community, um, and, and there's a really only so many places to, to work out and practice. So uh, I think I was fortunate to find Greg and Wink at a young age, And, um, you know, sometimes I look at this like if I was a a classical pianist, I'd be learning at the highest level. Or if I was a a painter, I'd be studying in the great masters. And that's what I feel like I have. And uh, I always felt like watching Greg and Wink teach it. I saw the passion they put into it. Uh, I saw the the enjoyment they got out of it. And I found myself, you know, uh, guiding other fighters from a young age and I did have a pretty serious uh, injury training. I had a tip proctor like Anderson. Mm. And um, I came to this, this crossroads, and I remember talking with my wife about it. Like I've been, to, I've been walking to a dojo every day after school or work since I was a little boy, and it wasn't something I was ready to give up. And I knew I had a natural leadership capabilities and, and a lot to offer. So it just seemed like a easy transition. I remember talking with Greg and Lincoln saying, hey, I want to help the fighters. And they said, yeah, absolutely, Brandon. So it started with a a kids' class and helping out some amateurs here and there. And then, uh, man, it it seemed like just a short time later, I was was cornering world title fights with Carlos and with John. And uh, just an incredible uh, group to be a part of.
2: And what's it like being either around the same age, perhaps at times younger than the guys that you're working with? Do you feel like you, you get that respect that guys like Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn get? Absolutely. Um,
1: but it it's a surreal feeling at times to be able to work with guys that I was watching from a very young age and, and almost idolizing to a point like Alistair or Andre. Um, but I think my technique and skill set speaks volumes where, you know, I'm, I'm not BSing my way through this. They come in and they hit midsection and they see the value I have and the, the knowledge I have about it all and then they're just as excited to work with me as I am with them.
2: Uh, two last quick things. Uh the the fun never stops for you. I know you were at the RFA event this past weekend. You're gonna be in Boston, right? Joby Sanchez is one of your guys, correct?
1: Yeah, young Joby, I'm excited for him. He's uh he's taken on to Teke. and um Joby took his first UFC fight at super short notice. It was about ten days and we we had a close fought fight with Wilson Hayes and now I'm excited, you know, to see Joby with a full training camp and a game plan and strategy going into this to for, for him to make his mark.
2: I was just talking to uh, our guy, New York Rick, here before the fight, and I feel like most young fighters, like Ajobe Sanchez, who there seems to be you know a, a lot of promise surrounding them, they only get a chance to fight in the UFC in these short-notice opportunities. That, that, that's their only shot and sometimes it must be frustrating i would imagine for the coach because you see them going on this path and then bang they get that big opportunity 10 days one week notice and you have to expedite the whole process and there's the nerves and all that stuff for you was it kind of mixed feelings you see this guy that you've been working with for quite some time make it to the ufc but you know they come out there they don't have enough time to prepare for everything that goes into a ufc fight they lose and now it this is really the ufc debut if you know what i'm saying is is that how you feel
1: I do feel this way, you know it's um you're so excited for them to to get the call, and that 's their dream, so there's never any discouragement from our side to say hey you know let's let's take you down the road. that offer will still be there hopefully, but nothing is guaranteed um so so we are forced to take these fights at times, and um you know it didn't go our way as far as the victory on this first go round, but I know it was my job there help him put it all into perspective and keep him hungry and keep him motivated and uh, keep his confidence up. And I think Jovi did a really good job of that. And I think uh, Sunday night at the fight, he'll show everything he's carried with him from that experience.
2: Final thing. uh, This is as far as I'm concerned, one of the first times that we're hearing from someone involved in the John Jones camp and team, um, What's the message? What's the message for his fans and for the doubters, for everyone involved about John Jones, where he stands right now in his career?
1: Um, You know, I'm confident that he's going to come out of this stronger than ever. I think he's going to be more disciplined than ever. I think he's going to really make the most out of Albuquerque being his home. And uh, we're not going to have to call it a comeback I think John's next fight, we're going to see an even greater John Jones than what we saw with the D.C. fight. And uh, I think he's going to continue to fight off these temptations and become a stronger man through all of this.
2: Thank you very much, Brandon. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you this Sunday. And uh, obviously, if you speak to John, best of luck to him as well.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, I
2: appreciate it. All right, there he is. Brandon Gibson, one of the best young coaches in mixed martial arts, part of Team uh, Jackson Winklejohn in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, A tough week for John Jones coming off that amazing performance against Daniel Cormier. Um, And hopefully, sooner rather than later, we will hear from him as he attempts to rebound from all of this. and Continue on his winning ways. Uh, a brief update on the story that we talked about early in the show Uriah Hall has found an opponent. FoxSports.com reporting that he will face Ronald Stallings, the choir boy, a former Strike Force fighter. Had a cup of coffee with Strike Force. He is 12 and 6. Uh, his most recent fight in November of 2014, he lost to Tim Williams. Uh, prior to that, he had won three in a row. Very rare to see a fighter coming off a loss. Uh, get a shot in the UFC, but short-notice fight, that's how it goes. So Ron Stallings versus Uriah Hall is the fight. Hopefully, it stays together. All right, let's move along from one young coach, one great young coach, to another, a man who is uh, on fire these days, and he has a very big weekend coming up. Uh, Once again, this Sunday in Boston, Conor McGregor, his guy going up against Dennis Seaver, also Patty Houlihan and Cahal Pendred on the card. Of course, we're talking about the head coach over at Straight Blast Gym Ireland, the one and only John Kavanaugh, joining us right now. John, how are you?
3: Hey, how's it going? Um, I just heard that news there about Uriah. I was actually trying to get that fight for Chris Field, so I guess that's uh, not happening. Yeah. uh, Congratulations to the other guy. I hope he does
2: well. Before we get to all of that, uh, I'm a little, you know, at this point I'm happy to have you on the show, but it's our fault. Our Skype isn't working. Uh, it's become somewhat, uh, tradition at this point to have you on the show via your hotel room in your, in your bathrobe. Can you at least maybe send out a a tweet, a picture that we we at least know that you are in fact, you know, staying true to the script here and, and wearing the robe as we speak.
3: As soon as I get off there, it's the first thing I'm going to do.
2: I appreciate it. And I'm
3: going commando as well, just so you
2: know. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, that wasn't part of the plan, but I appreciate the extra effort. Uh, thank you for that. How close were you to getting Chris that fight?
4: Uh, well, I just
3: I just let them know that, I mean, Chris is here, he's uh, he, um, he's in great shape at the minute, and um, I was just pushing for it, I thought it would have been a very exciting fight, you know, They're both kind of uh, kickboxers, both kind of standard fighters, and Chris Chris had a, Chris liked to look at that, and you know, it would obviously be a great opportunity for him to win against uh, someone um, with a lot of momentum behind him, uh, like Uriah, but, uh, well, I guess the other matchup made more sense for them. I guess uh, at this stage it would have been hard for him to get all the visas and stuff for Chris, but... He was, uh, he was bugging me for it, and he wanted it, but there you go. That's how
2: it goes. And, and by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, um, he has a fight. Chris has a fight coming up in, uh, in February. He was on The Ultimate Fighter. Why didn't he ever get another shot in the UFC?
3: Uh, just the way it worked out at the time, I guess. Um, but he's, he's, he's with a great organization now, Obama, in the U.K., and he has a good matchup in February. So he's, he's, he's been on a great run in the gym the last couple of months. He's really found, um, really found his love for training again. And uh, he's had a nice uh, step up in his skill level. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he puts together now on a, run, on a run in 2015.
2: All right, so let's talk about this Sunday. You are back in Boston. This time, you're, you're not part of the prelims. You are the, the main event. And, of course, you have Pendrid and Hulahan on the card as well. We're the, the main event the first time as well. Well, well, the people's main event. And and you know what? In my opinion, that's even more prestigious. So let's uh, set the record straight. I appreciate you no, uh, noticing that. Um but what's the difference cuz I was just reading actually a uh, a blog post that you wrote for uh joe joe.ie the uh the website over in Ireland and you said that the first time um around in Boston in August of 2013 it kind of caught you off guard the reception that you guys uh you know got from the people uh what's the difference this time as opposed to the first time
3: Well you know it's almost like comparing the what you call the octagon jitters for a fighter on his first time and the second time that was a uh, that was my personal first experience of, of walking out to something like that. I um, just had never felt that before. We, did, we didn't actually know until afterwards it was a blackout treatment, but still to walk in, the lights come on. And, and um, I'm not sure. I think there was about 30, 12 or 13,000 people in attendance that night. And I just had never heard a crowd like that. I didn't, didn't face Connor at all. But for me, it, it did catch me for a second or two, and then I, I got focused again. But since then, now we've had obviously the UFC Dublin event, which was – which kind of blew that one out of water, but this this looks set to blow uh, both of them out of water because, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's pretty much a full house, and over 10% of the tickets are gone to Ireland, and uh, and now, obviously, we have a lot more momentum behind us. It's, it's a main event. I have two other guys in the card, so it's going to be um, another historic night on this journey.
2: And uh, I screwed up. Uh, that blog post wasn't for Joe's It was for the score.ie, correct? Score.ie, not Yeah, why, why, you, why didn't you correct me? We're giving up... Out...
3: Right. You know, I actually was thinking that you're wrong, but it was like, Ariel's never wrong. I don't want to correct him and then look stupid. So
2: It's hard to keep up with That's all okay. these websites blowing up over in uh, in Ireland, but uh, I don't give out free plugs here. I mean, Joe's great and all, but we've got to give... The plug to the right outlet. So I apologize to uh, to the good folks over at the Score. Um, it was a, it was a great write up. So I, I do suggest everyone checking it out. You tweeted it earlier. Um, what's it like for you to walk around Boston? I've seen some pictures from both you and, and Connor, and seeing his his face on all these posters. I mean, is it is it somewhat surreal to be seeing this outside of Ireland?
3: A hundred percent. It's it's very strange. Yeah. Even just getting in a taxi, and you, I didn't really notice till I was just about to get in. And then on top of it is one of those roof signs, and it's it's, it's Connor staring at me honestly. <laughs> and it's uh, and then you're just walking around, and every post box seems to have him on And then I dropped into a pub on my first night here, and there's a big poster him on the wall. And I actually went up to the bar to get around, and the guy's like, "How are you, John?" And I was like, <laughs> "Hello." He's like, "Yeah." How's Connor looking? I'm like, yeah, yeah, the guys are going well, and I got a free round of beers off it. So, uh, wow, it's 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 finally starting to pay off.
2: Things have changed, right?
3: Yeah, a lot different from the first trip. Put it that way.
2: Honestly, now, did you? And he talks about envisioning things. Did you really ever imagine this? I mean, this is uh, this is a pretty. I mean, this is this is what they talk about when they talk about meteoric rise. To get to this point where you're headlining a show, it's not for the belt or anything like that. It's, in my opinion, somewhat of a showcase fight. In, uh in an, a huge arena an NBA NHL arena outside of Ireland where you're all over the place people are coming up to you did you really envision that in less than two years
3: um if i'm being honest no uh, i I didn't know that we were just we' were just busy working away in a little a little uh, small gym in dublin and just taking European fights and you know that's that's just how it was going uh, i I never really I'm not a really what are you going to do in a year from now type guy I just I'm just focusing on today, and then tomorrow seems to look after itself. But to be actually here and, and just to see how, how it's coming on, I and mean, it seems to be—I can't turn on a TV channel but I'm staring at me. It's—it it, it is, it is definitely—it's uh, definitely very cool, but it's—but it's a fairly surreal experience as well.
2: They premiered uh, the documentary uh, that aired about Connor heading into the Boston fight. It's called uh, "The Notorious." That uh, the good lads over at uh, Severe MMA worked. Uh, on i believe it was on rte am i getting that right rte in in ireland how about that um and there's a great scene there where connor is asking you uh when to put on body lotion he's in the shower (laughs) and he asks you is it before or after he doesn't quite understand and now look at him he's wearing these custom-made suits i mean is is that is that in a nutshell
3: i would would love i'd love you to actually see that unit that we're in then Oh. Uh, when I actually moved into that unit, there was a tree grown in the middle of it, <laughs> like a, an actual tree, and uh, it, it's just crazy how it came. My, my mother was down helping me paint them, uh, my brother and family, and we just about got it together. And then that that scene there, um, I don't know why, but Connor always uses the women's showers in my in my <laughs> He's There were, I guess we cut, we tried to keep the women's shower a little bit nicer than the men's because sure. the men don't really care. O'Connor seems to drift into the women's. He's always the last one in the gym. It's not like he's going in there and kicking girls there around like that, but he tends to use that. And, and it's, it was a tiny little room, freezing cold, and then, yeah. like you said, the, the job of a coach is a lot more than teaching martial arts. Let's put it that way.
2: I loved it. I love how he, he called upon you to explain this to him. And, by the way, now you're in a new venue, right? A, a state-of-the-art venue.
3: No, we, we've uh, definitely taken a big step up. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more, um, a, what would you say, a lot more pleasing on the eye and it's, it's it's warm dry and clean and my mother comes down now she never stepped foot in the gym before this because she didn't just thought they were always filthy but we have a much more kind of commercial gym now i guess and it's a lot more comfortable environment to be training in
2: i'll get back to your parents in a second but just uh, to touch on that scene is that in a nutshell a, a slice of how much this guy has changed like he has really come a long way i mean on the surface uh, we know how he has changed. I mean, he has a lot more money, and 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 he's on top of the world. He's hanging out in the Fertitta suite, all that stuff. But was this a guy who, you know, when he started out, I mean, it was that simple. He 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 wasn't exposed to these things, these finer points of like, body lotion, and all that stuff. I mean, he he really has come a long way, right?
3: Yeah, um, yeah. I guess the short answer is yes. But it's funny. I remember they, um, there was a there was a little video clip I saw of used to talk and and. Um, you were saying something like, what do you think of my suit? And he had like a little 10-second breakdown of that. <laughs> you were mixing some sure. patterns sure. wrong with another. I don't know. Do you remember this? Of course, it of course. A... In Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So I just I, that just kind of made me smile. And even the other day, we were in the airport, we were coming over here, and we were talking about um, something to come up about sponsorship deals. And um, he he just rattled off the difference between uh, an endorsement-only deal or getting equity in the company deal, and, and all these words that I really don't think he he could have defined 12 months ago or 18 months ago, and now he's... But that's how he's been about everything, you know, when he puts his mind to something, when he went off and, you know, when he, when he was uh, dealing a lot with his knee, um, he came back with... I, I would I would challenge any physiotherapist to try and uh, try and beat him on, on knowledge of, of knee rehab at this stage. Um, and now he's like that with business, and he's like that when he's... He's kind of lost himself now in, in taekwondo and taekwondo techniques, and he, whatever he does, he he does it over the top. And I'm not, I'm glad now his focus is on uh, on positive things like this.
0: Well,
2: was there ever a point where you said, Connor, we we need to check ourselves here? We we can't forget what we did to get to this point. It's getting a little too much. It's getting too big. Um, all the stuff that's happening around you, it's all great, but we can't let this you know affect us in a negative way was there ever that moment where you had to you know in in in, in uh, using a term that we use here check check yourself before you wreck yourself
3: <laughs> um if he was you know obviously there's been some headlines lately about maybe uh, people going off off centre line a bit but for connor it's always been ups- just getting more obsessed about training and, and that's that's all I've seen so um it's only been positive you know he's not He's not like that about having a big group around him and, and crazy partying and stuff like that. He's, he's quite actually a quiet person, believe it or not. Outside of uh, outside of the media circles, he's, he's not really into going out with groups of guys and stuff like that. He's more just with his girlfriend or a very, a very small group of people. So, yeah, the the stuff that's grown and gotten bigger has all of it has just been positive. So, I just uh, fan those flames.
2: Have you noticed a lot of leeches? A lot of people trying to capitalize on his. Uh... His good fame and um, fortune? Of
3: course. A lot of people trying. Yeah. Uh, none succeeding.
2: Okay. He's, like
3: I said, he's an incredibly uh, private person, um, and, and there's, I think there's about 20 people on his on his, uh, contact list on his phone, you know, so he's, it's just not a worry, um, so I don't worry about
2: it. He only has 20 people on his phone?
3: Well, I, I very small, anyway. Okay. That's probably an exaggeration, but, but my point being is that he's not, it's not like when he's at home, he's out with 100 people or... Hes hiring uh, hiring someone to walk along and I'm just saying you the champ oh, <laughs> yeah. like the crocodile uh, so it's, just, it's just not who he is.
2: Um, back to that documentary, there, there's a scene where you guys are in Las Vegas, you're training at Syndicate, and and you tell the crew that it's important to mix things up, get different looks, train with different people where you don't know what they're going to throw at you. But correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, that was going into the Holloway fight, Brandao fight, Poirier fight, and and I want to know about this fight as well. You you stayed local, right? So why did you do that for that fight and, and, and try to get different looks and, you know, last three fights stay local?
3: Um. Hmm. I'm not sure what the question is. Like when we were training for this fight, we stayed in Dublin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the fights we've either been in Dublin or Iceland, and then gone somewhere for the last ten days, you know. And, and here we've done the same. We're out here for the last ten days, and we're training at uh, a uh, Peter uh, Peter Welch's gym, the uh, legendary boxer out here. And we have a few new bodies out there to move around within the lead up. But um, no, the, the process has always been the same. We've kind of we've kind of swapped back and forth between. Um, doing our, whatever you want to say, those last six or eight weeks in um, Ireland or in Iceland. But they're, they're the only two places that we go for that length of time. And then it worked out when we were in, um, in Vegas that time, we dropped into Syndicate for, for, for some training there, or wherever we are. You know, one time I know when he was on his own in um, Los Angeles, he dropped into Eddie Bravo's Temple and was rolling around there. So, um, you yeah, know, we, we're always trying something new.
2: No Iceland for this camp, though, right?
3: No Iceland for this one, um, but I think Gunny is probably going to be up in February or March and we'll probably all go over there for that one. And then, it's 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 a, you know, we, we sort of just free ball it. Like, you know, it's, that's just how it worked out this time. It's n- nothing uh, crazy set in stone. Like, it's definitely here this time, definitely there the next time. We just sort of roll with it and see which way it works out best and... For this particular one, I just think it was better to do it in Dublin.
2: You mentioned your mother earlier. When you told her early on that this is what you want to do with your life—you want to be a coach—what was her reaction then? And uh, has it changed at all now? Now that you're this big star in Ireland and you have all these great fighters on your roster and you've you've helped shape them—I mean, these were homegrown guys—how um, does she treat you differently? Has it changed? I mean, has she been supportive from day one? Has she changed along the way? What's it like with your mother? Uh,
3: well. Uh, uh, Probably a lot of people have heard the story already, but I'll say quickly, uh, when I graduated um, 12 or 13 years ago, I I was a degree in engineering. I opened up my first uh, gym, and we called it the shed now. Uh, It's a very small little unit. It was, uh, you you won't even imagine, like a a two-car garage. That's basically what it was, with the roof falling in, freezing cold. Had to use the laneway outside for a toilet. It was not very pleasant. Me and about 20 guys just beating each other up. And the first time my mother came down to see it, she just cried. She thought I was throwing away my life, you know. What the hell are you doing five years of university for to end up doing this? Fast forward to when she was in the, um, her and my dad came along to watch UFC Dublin. And at the end of it, he said, um, it was the greatest night of their life.
5: Wow.
3: Never felt so proud. So uh, now now my mother's my my biggest fan. And, uh, you know, she comes down to the gym once a week with um, flapjacks or or, or, uh, scones.
2: (laughs) That's amazing. And
3: uh it, it's a real family kind of team now, you know. My my uh my mom and dad are actually I uh, find them out here for um for the Boston fight and they they go to the mall now and they're they're huge fans and um yeah, it's, it's a re- it's a real positive thing now.
2: And by the way, I feel like I've read a lot about you uh at this point. I've never heard that story, so don't sell yourself oh. short. Okay, I thought of- it's, I, I it's a great I story well maybe maybe i missed it along the way but that's great what's it like seeing your mother cry when you decide that this is what you're going to do and, and and she has those fears and doubts what's that like for you did you start doubting yourself yeah, it,
3: was, it was it was hard to take and um uh you know my dad as well was, was was trying to talk me out but but i can completely understand where they're coming from now i look back you know was, i guess i was 24 25 and um it, you know back then you got to realize even the ufc wasn't all that big it was you know, I forget even what UFC it was, we're talking USC 35 or something or 40, so there was no, it wasn't like I could say to myself, okay, if I really do this well and uh, and I can bring up some fighters maybe in a decade or two, there's going to be a career in this, but that wasn't my goal, or that wasn't my motivation, my motivation wasn't that I was going to have uh, money or anything like that with this, it was that, it was that um, I was doing something that I loved and if, if something would come along with that, it was great. At the time, I had to do—I was, I was a bouncer five nights a week, and I was doing uh, some building the work at the weekends, and then I was training uh, all day. But I—but I loved it. Uh, hold on a second. Oh. Every—I I get my door knocked. I swear to God. Here we are. Hello? <laughs> oh, yeah, go. Hello. Hi, sorry. Just stop that in there. Sorry about this, hero.
2: Oh, no problem. This is uh, the beauty Thanks. of uh, live radio. radio.
3: Cheers. Thanks a lot.
2: What do we get? Um, dude? Is that is that I swear, room service? They
3: keep stealing my do not disturb sign. Oh I think God. it's cold, but I can't prove it. <laughs> but every morning I get the door hammered down by LaKeisha or something like that, and they they keep barging in to try and tidy my room. And then the next I get a new do not disturb sign dropped up, and then the next morning it's gone again. I'm I'm sure it's called or Chris, but. I have to set up a camera or something to try and catch them.
2: Are you one of those guys who doesn't like uh, people cleaning your room? Because I also noticed in that documentary, your room, uh, the one that you were sharing with uh, Connor, was a bit of a mess. (laughs) With all due respect.
3: Uh, It's probably not top of my priority list,
2: uh, (laughs) But But are you one of those guys that doesn't like anyone coming into your room for the entire duration of your stay? Because I know people like that.
3: I, I don't mind. Like, what, if I like, the, you know, the do not disturb sign is there, and then because I get up kind of late, because you know we're training every night at ten o'clock, and then I don't get sleep till pretty late, and then I like to you know stay in bed till eleven or twelve, and then get up, and then I'll take the sign off and go off for the day, and then they can do what they want. But it's first of all the hotel room. I don't know what's going on, but there seems to be like, the sound of a jackhammer going off the whole time. Oh, I don't know whether it's construction outside or it's the um, what you call it the AC. Uh, the air conditioning, and the, the heating. It's really loud, so it's keeping me up all night. I barely drift off. And then you don't even knock the door with a the hand. they knock it with a key. So it's this real kind of high-pitched knocking on the door. <laughs> I'm screaming at them to go away, and then the, the head pops in. and It's upsetting me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But I, I'm going to speak to Colin, Chris, later on. I know it's those, fuckers, or those guys taking sure. the uh, sign off my door.
2: I would imagine the days of sharing a room with Connor are over.
3: Uh, no, his girlfriend D is over, so he's he's next door to me, and I'm here. And then the lads, uh, Chris and Kyle are down the hallway, and Paddy and Asher are over here as well.
2: Um, okay, so let's go to this fight here. Uh, I think I had a, a brief uh, private conversation with you when this fight was announced and uh, I was like, well, what's the point of this thing? I mean, uh, this is a guy who, in my opinion, may, you know, he's below in the rankings of, uh, you know, when you talk about Dustin Poirier, he's below him, Dennis Siever is. Yes, he's a veteran, but I didn't understand the risk here. I mean, of course, it's a showcase fight, main event, it's in Boston, all that stuff. But in my opinion, after the Poirier fight, you can easily justify giving him the title shot. But you had a different take on things. Why did, why did you feel okay with this fight?
3: Um. Well, so, uh, yeah, I've seen that online. go, like, what's the point of this fight? Well, the point of this fight, he wins, he gets the title fight. So that that seems a pretty good, sure. incentive to me. Um, and also, he gets paid very well for it. So if those if those two things don't get you up in the morning. I'm not sure what will. Um, I, I know where you're coming from. Maybe maybe there's arguments made if you if you're looking at this purely from a Olympic sport kind of amateur sport level about facing different people, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the the reality is, it's it's um, it's going to be an inch. It's going to be an exciting fight. You know, you got two guys that are more strikers than than grapplers, um, and well, there's no other way to say it. Like Dennis, Dennis is there to make Conor look good. He's going to get cleanly knocked out, which will which will set up a nice uh, highlight reel and set up a nice uh, main event pile fight in Ireland in a couple of months' time.
2: Would you agree, though, that this is a showcase fight? I mean, even the promotion has been very one sided.
3: Um, I, if I'm being honest, I think we've all been showcase fights. Um, I, I thought Dustin was going to make Conor look great. Um, I did see some other reporter had, had kind of seen the, the things I'd seen. Um, some uh, fight analysis, I agreed with him in the lead-up to it. He, he, he kind of broke down Dustin's style, whereas everybody else was telling me this is going to be the toughest fight of his life, and this could happen, and Dustin has these skill sets. And, but in the back of my mind, I was like, there, this is clearly being set up to make Conor look good. It was, that's what I thought. And that's what happened. Um, I thought the same with the Brandao fight. I thought that he was going to be a showcase fight because the, the all will the make, make Connor look great. And, or he makes them look bad. I don't know which way is the way to say it, but um, I don't think it would matter. It would, had it been Cub Swanson, I would have called it a showcase fight. Uh, it's, just, it's just different. When they're facing Connor it's just different.
2: Is Jose Aldo a showcase fight?
3: That 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 that's the fight I'm looking forward to. That's that's going to be an exciting fight. Um, I do think it's I, uh, obviously I think Connor's going to win that, and I do think it's going to be the first time. It's a new type of opponent for Aldo. It's not a new type of opponent for Connor, hmm. and that will be the difference in that fight. But we can we'll we'll chat about that in my battle. Of, uh, uh-huh. Getting closer to the summer when it's when when it's a few
2: days out. Fair enough. But I just got, I got to know. I mean, who has he fought, Connor? That resembles Jose Aldo.
3: Well, just on the European circuit, do um, we have a lot more striking orientated uh, opponents? And it's not necessarily—I'm I'm talking about fights—but we have a lot of high-level strikers that will be coming in and out of the gym. And it's nothing new to Connor to face someone like that. Whereas Aldo has faced a bunch of guys that um, are more wrestlers learning how to strike. And after one or two exchanges, they start shooting from the other side of the octagon. He's not going to have that advantage on Connor, He's not going to intimidate him with the strikes, and he's—he's—he's he's, he's the one that's going to be on the back foot and he'll be the one that's turning into a grappler pretty soon.
2: So famously, uh, Connor said that uh, he thinks the fight will last two minutes, but then you've come up and up the ante. You think it's going to be around 60 seconds, right?
3: I just don't. I, I just, from honestly analyzing both and looking at some different ways that he could go down, I just think unless Dennis uh, really pushes the grappling uh, quickly, it'll, it's going to be in the first exchange. He, He's, he's he's a tough guy, but he's you know he's getting close to forty. He's been in a lot of wars. He cope kind of landed well, not the cleanest shot, and he had him um, all, all over the place. So to go against someone that hits, he's by far the hardest hitter in division. I think he's the hardest hitter in a few divisions, not not only that one. So to be go against someone like that, and to be about a foot shorter than him, and have no real ability to close distance, it's 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 a terrible matchup
2: is there anything at all that he does that concerns you anything
3: well look matt sarah and gsp you know mm. there's, there's there's examples of this in mma and examples of this in all sports there's he, he's a powerful man and if if, if things were to land and if he's to get into his rhythm of, of course there's there's dangers. he's he, he's not there for no reason and he's, he's fought everybody he's been in the uc for a long long time mm. so of course there's dangers and it's not Every time uh, we talk about this kind of thing and give predictions, it's always like, oh, you're, you're, you're overlooking them. You're, you're too confident. It's, it's, it's not. It's just that you're asked the questions. You give an honest answer. This is my honest answer. Can something go wrong? Well, you, you could slip on a banana peel walking into the cage. Of course, things can go wrong. But um, I, I just don't see it going that way. I see it going the way I said.
0: What do you say to
2: the people who say that the UFC has protected Connor, that he hasn't fought a wrestler, all this stuff? What do you say to that?
3: Uh I don't really have that to say. I think it's a, I think it's a fan's uh, job to either criticize or uh, applaud, you know, depending on if they like the fighter or not. and then it's a coach's job to train a fighter, and it's a fighter's job to fight. and if we all do our jobs, everything goes well. So <laughs> you know what, what am I going to say? If you look at someone like John Jones, he's not only does he beat everybody, he seems to beat them in their own uh, area of expertise, and yet he's still. That's fans saying, yeah, well, the next guy will beat you. Or you haven't fought this guy. Or you haven't fought that guy. So that's great. I think the worst thing that could happen to a fighter is that fans go, you know what, I've enough of seeing him now. There's nobody that can beat him. So bring on someone else. So it's, it's, a, it's a blessing that um, so many guys are uh, looking forward to the day Conor fights X style. And, you know, as Ali used to say, half the crowd are there to watch me. Whoop, ass, and half the crowd are there to watch me. Get my ass whooped, but all of the crowd there bought a ticket and are paying my wages.
2: 2014, what a year it was for you and your team, and you guys were on a roll. I mean, Dublin was, you know, arguably one of the greatest uh, moments in in European MMA history. Of course, Irish MMA history, you said your parents called it one of the best days of their life. But, you know, you, you were on that roll, and then we come to October, and it seemed like all that, you know, that good luck, at least for a brief moment, stopped because you had Gunnar Nelson lose, uh, Patty Houlihan lost, you know, uh, across the globe in Halifax, Carl Pendrit had a very tough fight. What was that like for you? I mean, you had that great stretch so long, you guys seemed invincible. And then on, on the same day you had two very tough losses. What was that like for you?
3: Um, of course, it's the purpose of competition is to win. There's no uh, two ways about that. So to have a loss is, is, is a setback and it's, um, it's never a good day, but when you're in the UFC and you're fighting at this level, uh, you've got to know that you know we're not going to run through everybody. That's that's just how it is. I have a big team, I have a lot of fighters, and I hope a lot more get in. And uh, shout out to Paul Redmond, the the friend of the gym. He gets trained by my friend Andy Ryan. Just after being signed as well. So we're you know we, we've a lot of Irish people, a lot of people coming in, and there's, there's going to be tough fights like that. Um, in saying that, I think Gunnar's fight was quite close, and it was against um, a fantastic fighter. I've been a fan of Story for a long time. Uh, still went the distance. Yeah, it, was, it was a close one, and Paddy as well uh, went the distance as well. So, uh, We've taken a lot from it. You know, I tell my kids in my classes that we win or we learn. We've had a lot of wins, but we've had a ch- an opportunity to learn now. Uh, learn from those losses. Pick yourself up and, and go at it again, because it's a, it's a bit of a myth to say to somebody that the road to... Um, success, the road to the belt, wherever you want to say, is, is a straight path. It's going to be, there's, there's losses along the way, there's fails along the way, there's stumbles along the way, but the difference between a champion and, uh, and also ran is that they take those losses and they learn from them and they keep moving forward.
2: Did you notice a lot of people celebrating that, that, that stumble where you know, you've, you've had the success for so long, and of course there are going to be people who are jealous and doubters, haters, all that stuff. Did you notice them coming out of the woodwork when you guys stumbled briefly? <laughs>
3: Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I'm sure. Anytime we, um, if in the future we have losses, wherever people are, people are rubbing their hands uh, to, for that opportunity to, um, I guess, moment of glee where they will get to uh, tweet me something mean or something like that. <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't spend too much time uh, worrying about that. Or if it does happen, I don't. Uh, like, like I tell my guys, whether we win or lose on a Saturday night, on Sunday, the small group of people that matter to us will have the same feelings. They're still going to love us, and they're still going to support us. It's nice to have, um, you know, at this stage I guess tens of thousands of people talking about us either in a positive or in a negative light. But it really doesn't make any difference to the twenty or thirty people that each of my guys has close to them, and it's it's them that we're it's for ourselves and for them that we're that we're doing this that we're on this journey for.
2: Okay, so before I let you go, um, I, I always love getting your predictions because it reminds me a lot of Freddie Roach, honestly, because you are so blunt. And you seem to have this great ability to to call your shot, even when a lot of people might say, wow, this is a little too confident. But uh, you guys do a great job of calling your shot. So uh, we know how you feel about Connor's fight. What are you expecting to see from the Pendrid fight and as well, Paddy Houlihan?
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I guess we'll keep the tradition up, so I'll make my predictions. Sure. Um, let me see. Uh, I would say... I like the way Cole's opponent kinda of comes to fight and comes to look for the finish himself. So I think the fact that it's gonna be a nice open fight like that, the last one was a little bit um um just didn't get a flow going, but I think this one's gonna have a much better flow. Um I can I can see uh, I can see Cole uh, possibly getting uh getting a, a choke of some sort finish. Um not not exactly sure of what, but I'll I'll go I'll go with choke in round two.
2: All right. And what about, uh, Patty Houlihan, who I also read on that blog of yours from, uh, thescore.ie that, uh, you almost feel like the loss in his last fight was somewhat of a blessing because it, it, it kind of, you know, it erased all that talk now of being undefeated and keeping that streak going, right?
3: Yeah. You know, this it's, it, it, it's a burden for anybody to keep, um, well, I'd say almost anybody like, uh, I don't, <laughs> had no effect on going one way or the other, but there's not too many humans like him on the planet, um. But I do see a kind of a, a, a refreshed look in Paddy, just that kind of, that's behind him now. Um, he had an opportunity, he took some time off and, you know, spent time with his family, and then he just came back to the gym. I just saw a it, it sort of a new approach to him, and um, I, I am very excited for this fight. This guy is another tall guy. Um, he seems like a pretty decent striker. He's got got interesting, um, interesting techniques. he a look kind of wild. I think Paddy's a slightly uh, cleaner uh, fighter. Um, but anyway, uh, I could see I could see that one being. Um, I think it's actually going to be the same as the as the Pender fight. I can see Paddy getting a submission victory, mm. uh, choke victory, um, maybe in the first round.
2: Paddy Hulan versus Shane Howell, Cal Pendred versus Sean Spencer. We can't forget Norman Park. I know he's from Northern Ireland, but close enough at least for our purposes. Against Glyson Tebow, and then of course Conor McGregor versus Dennis Seaver. Final question to you, John: Have you been told that if you win? On Saturday in the main event, excuse me, Sunday. It's it's weird to say Sunday. Um, if you guys win that main event fight against Dennis Seaver, that there will be a stadium event headlined by McGregor versus Aldo in Ireland later this year. That's the big rumor. Have you been told that?
6: Um, I, I, to
3: be honest, like, this is the like, Connor kind of more deals with them than I would. I've I've got a big team, I've got a big gym. I don't. I'm not so much involved in that kind of management stuff. You know, Connor has a manager and. I just I know that this fight on Sunday I've I've read Dana saying that uh, if he wins this fight he gets the the title fight. Um, I know that there's that there's talk of uh, some of the big football stadiums here have have certain dates booked off. Uh, I've had people get on to me and say that they've rang them and apparently there's bookings made on certain dates that the stadium won't say what what it's for, but it's not for a soccer event anyway. So there's there's a lot of rumors going around. It's exciting times, but. I can't see why it wouldn't happen. You know, it just it just makes sense because he will sell out ninety thousand tickets in an afternoon in Ireland now. People have no idea what it's like um, for 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 him and for the for the rest of us in in Dublin and Ireland right now. Just the, the level of momentum that's gone and uh, and the whole the whole country going crazy for this sport now. So I just can't visualise how it wouldn't happen.
2: Well, first things first, this Sunday, Fox Sports 1, Conor McGregor versus Dennis Seaver. Uh, John, always a pleasure. Great to catch up with you before these fights. I want to see that picture just to make sure. You, you don't have to show us the, um, the, the underneath <laughs> shot. Just you know, just the, the surface shot will suffice. And uh, I look forward to seeing you and the team out in Boston in a couple of days. Best of luck to you guys.
3: Yeah, I'll bring over my, uh, I'll bring over my motor key. Yeah? You can say hello to my man.
2: I would love it. I would love nothing more. Thank <laughs> you, John. All the best. There he is, John Kavanov, SBG Ireland, talking about a big weekend for his team this Sunday in Boston. Now we're talking about Dennis Seaver, and we'll get into him a little later on, uh, a a little more. But you know, this fight reminds me a lot of UFC 127. Remember UFC 127? George Sotiropoulos versus Dennis Seaver in Australia. George Sotiropoulos had won eight in a row. He's from Australia, of course and everyone thought one win, and you're getting a title shot. Now, of course, it wasn't on the scale that this fight against Conor McGregor is, but a lot of people were dismissing Dennis Seaver in that fight, if you recall. A lot of people thought Sauteropoulos wins. He's going on to the title shot. This is a showcase fight, right, for him? Well, that brings us to Inside the Vault. I want to go back to UFC 127, February 27, 2011, Post-fight, Dennis Seaver defeated George Sauteropoulos. via unanimous decision, a dominant win, and it halted Sauteropoulos' run. And, and by the way, Sauteropoulos has not won since then. He's he's lost five in a row. He had won eight in a row, then lost to Dennis Seaver on February 27, 2011. We spoke to Dennis after that big win, and it reminded me a lot of this situation. Could we see uh, a replay of that come Sunday? That would be a much Bigger shock, it would be one of the biggest upsets in UFC history, in my opinion, given the way things have all shaped up here. But uh, I want to go back, go inside the vault and look at our post fight interview with Dennis Siever from around four years ago. Here it is. Ariel Hawani, post fight at UFC 127, alongside Dennis Siever, who defeated George Sotoropoulos tonight. And Dennis, congratulations on a big win. A lot of people were not picking you to win. You are a very big underdog. How good does this one feel?
5: Yeah, that's a super feeling.
7: For the moment, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of uh, people here in the UFC subestimated underestimated me. And I hope I could uh, improve myself here with this uh, fight against uh, George St.
2: Did you feel as though you were being served up to George? This is his home country. He's very close to getting a title shot, and, and that a lot of people weren't respecting you and thinking this was just sort of a, s- a stepping stone fight for George?
7: Yeah, das Gefühl war schon da, dass sie mich da hier als Fallops benutzen oder als Yes, unfortunately, I had this feeling too, but uh, I hope with this fight I could improve myself, and it's not true that I'm bad. Well, I'm a best fighter, you know what I mean.
2: You rocked him in in the first round. Um, how close do you think you were to finishing him in that first round?
5: Yeah, it was schon nah dran, aber auf dem Boden. Ich mich nicht getraut,
7: I gesagt. always knocked him out in stand, but um, I was not sure whether i get him on the ground. And that's the reason why I got back to a stand-up.
2: You're known to be such a great uh, you know, striker, um, but your takedown defense in this fight was fantastic. And, and he clearly wanted to try to take the fight to the ground. Talk about how you've developed uh, such a good takedown defense.
7: Of course, I know that uh, George wanted to, try, wanted to get me uh, on, the, on the ground for his uh, Jiu-Jitsu, uh, and that's why I trained with a lot of good wrestlers uh, to, to complete my wrestling skills on the ground
2: and my de- takedown defense. It works. So now that uh, obviously he has uh, this loss on his record and you just beat him, do you feel as though you should be uh, in the discussion for potentially maybe one or two fights away for fighting for the title?
5: I think so. I think noch
7: yeah, could be possible. So if I win one or two more fights, it could be possible that I will get a, a, a title fight. Anyone you want next? Whoever wants to fight against me, I'm ready for that. I will fight against anybody. Okay. Melvin Gillard or uh say uh, index, and again. <laughs> then, then, then in yes. uh, and maybe Maynard. Why not?
2: This is would wish. be nice. <laughs> well, congratulations on this win—a huge one for you, your biggest in the UFC. We look forward to what's next. Thank. You. So there you have it, Dennis Seaver. Four years ago, uh, pretty amazing, right? Same spot, kind of the same questions that you would ask him if he beat Conor McGregor. Of course, it would be a much bigger upset. Stakes a lot higher. Bigger spotlight on the fight. That wasn't a main event. But in Australia, guys on a big winning streak. We're talking about if he wins, he gets a title shot. And then Dennis Seaver going out there in the 155-pound division. You notice him talking about lightweights when I asked him what was next. Um, Not known to be a great interview. I never thought I'd do a classic Dennis Seaver interview, but I couldn't help but notice the similarities between this situation and that situation. That was four years ago, almost exactly four years ago. Um, a little less than four years, and now here he is again, being talked about as a stepping stone, as 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 a guy who's being served up all that stuff. And uh, if he can win, if he can pull off the upset, holy moly, would that be big? That would be gigantic. I mean, even look, and I know at first I will admit I was like, well, this fight doesn't really make all that much sense, but now I've kind of warmed up to it. Nothing wrong with the showcase fight. Very boxing esque. That's the draw. That's the guy who needs one more win to get into the title picture. There's nothing wrong with it, as far as the promotion is concerned. Um, One guy speaks English very well. The other one can't speak English at all. So uh, there's not much you can do on that front as well. Now, as we were talking about with John Kavanaugh, it's a a big weekend for his team, SBG Ireland, Paddy Houlihan, Conor McGregor. And our next guest at this time, this is a very personal fight for... Our next guest, because he has wanted to fight in Boston, wanted to go back to Boston for quite some time. We will get into that and a whole lot more right now with Col Pendred, who meets Sean Spencer in the featured Fox Sports 1 prelim fight. Carl, how are you?
6: I'm good. Ariel. How
2: are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. So, um, you're in Boston right now. You've been there since Thursday, correct? Yeah. Prior to arriving on Thursday of last week, when was the last time you had been in Boston? Uh, it
8: would have been one of my- of age,
2: I think it was 1991. So it's been a long time—23 years. And and you were born there, right? Yeah, I was and, born
8: there. Lived, lived, born here. I lived until I was four. Um, you know, lived in Somerville,
2: just suburb, just outside the city. So pretty amazing coming back now for this. Can I ask you a favor? Are you are we on speakerphone right now? Uh, no. Really? No. Okay, now maybe it sounds a little better. Um, we'll fight through it. We just had John on, on the phone, and by the way, he accused you of a very serious crime. Are you aware of this?
8: What? I, I was just, uh, I just tuned in towards the end of his, uh, his interview. What did he say? He,
2: he, he, he suspects that either you or Chris Fields are taking off his Do Not Disturb sign, because he keeps getting people knocking on his door when he's putting that sign up, and he thinks it's either you or him. Is that accurate? <laughs>
8: I that that sounds like a good idea, so might like, like keep that going
2: <laughs> all right, so we know that when the uFC wanted to uh, when, when they were coming back to Boston uh, just a couple of years ago, of course, when uh, Connor was on the prelims, that was something you wanted to be a part of uh, you You were told, and we had you on this show you were told if you win your last fight. Um, in Cage Warriors, you were going to get that shot. That debut in Boston, of course, you get a chance to come back home and and fight in front of your your, your fellow countrymen, right? Because you are, of course, an American citizen as well. You didn't get that opportunity. You had to go through the ultimate fighter. When you realized that you weren't getting that opportunity, how big of a blow to your ego, how devastating was it that you weren't getting that shot?
8: Yeah, it was pretty pretty devastating. Um, You know, I I wasn't certain that I was going to get in the Boston card because I think it was about... Ten weeks after my fight with Shane Mills, but uh, I was uh, pretty certain that I would at least be signed up to the O.C., and I, w- I was hoping once I was signed I-, I could I could make a case for that that uh, Boston fight because it w- like like it is now it would it would have meant a lot to me, but it it, it didn't happen. And look, as a- anyone that that gets anywhere in in any career or profession always always has to take a few blows, a few knocks, and and uh, you just got to pick yourself up and keep going. There's always roadblocks, boxing. You want to succeed, you just got to keep going. And that's what I did. I, I I went down the tough route. I just figured, you know, if if the contract wasn't going to be handed to me, I'll go out and just get it myself.
2: Was it uh, hard? Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go on. Uh, was it hard to watch that event, knowing how much it meant to you and that it was back and forth, all the stuff and you had your friend on the card? Was it hard for you? Um,
8: I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it. it, it it was hard for me. I watched it. You know, it was great seeing Connor win, but I think there was a little bit of just disappointment in me watching it. I, you know, I, I really had it in my head that that was that was going to happen. I, I knew, like the, the UFC had announced their schedule towards the start of the year. They announced that they were going to Boston um, in the summer, and uh, I, I just got it in my head, "Look, that's where I want to be." I knew it was within touching distance of the UFC contract, and, and, I, and I just thought, "Right, oh, that's the perfect." opportunity for me to go back and i i i I believed
2: in my head it was going to happen what have the last few days been like for you um of course you're there you're a man on a mission and uh you're, you're focusing on the fight at the end of the day i would imagine it doesn't matter if this fight is taking place in boston or antarctica but you're back home and this is a sentimental thing for you what's it been like have you allowed yourself to look around smell the roses you know do some sightseeing or are you focused on the task at hand
8: um, look, our hotel is in the city, so I've explored the city a little bit. And uh, you know, it's a, it, there seems to be a, a, a reminiscence or a familiarity with, with with the city, even walking around. I can, I can remember some parts, even though you know I lived at, in in the suburbs. So I'm really looking forward to the the, the reminiscing is really going to happen after the fight. I'm, I'm trying to stay focused. My fa- my whole family are coming across. Um, you know, my parents who. Obviously lived here. My, um, one of my younger sisters was born here and lived here as well. So you know, after the fight, they're all staying for. We're staying for about a week after the fight, and we're gonna travel around. Um, you know, visit our visit the places we lived, visit the play school I went to, visit the hospital me and my sister were born in, and kind of take that tour. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's that's kind of um, the highlight of the trip after the fight for for me and my family. It's kind of gonna be a special event.
2: Are you feeling more pressure as a result of all of this going into the fight?
8: No, not at all. I mean, I'm I'm here in Boston. There's no there's no pressure. I I made my UFC debut in in Dublin, um, and I didn't feel any pressure for that. I I know it sounds cliche, but I put pressure on myself, on my own biggest critic. So anything that comes from anyone else just doesn't seem to affect me. I don't care what people expect of me. I don't care if they expect me to. To win or if they they expect me to lose, it's all irrelevant to me.
2: How would you characterize 2014 for you? Because you finally got into the UFC, but, you know, it it wasn't the, the easiest path. I mean, even in that fight against Mike King... You took, you, know, you took some shots, and what made it all that more impressive and you got the bonus was the comeback. I mean, it was an amazing comeback, one of the very best in UFC history. And then your last fight, I mean, it was a split decision and, 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 and somewhat controversial. It was a very close fight, I'm sure, a lot closer than you thought. Are, are, you, are, are you tired of these close fights? Do you want to get some, uh, some quick ones out of the way to prove to people that you are a top contender in this division?
8: Yeah, that was my plan going into into the last fight. It was my first fight for the UFC at welterweight, and I really wanted to make a statement. And um, no one was more disappointed with that, that that fight than myself. I wanted to go in and uh, you know take my opponent out really quickly. and Unfortunately, it didn't transpire that way. Um, you know, he, he fought very defensively and very negatively. He only threw shots when I came forward. He didn't seem to want to attack at all, so it made it very difficult for me. Um, you know, but I suppose you you got to adapt. I adapted to the situation as best I could. But I I think in this fight now I've got uh, you know stylistically a much better opponent. Uh, it's a step up in competition from my last opponent, which is what I always wanted As long as my career is going in the direction I wanted to, every fight is it, it is a step up. So uh, you know I'm very confident going into this fight. I think I think I can make that statement. I wanted to in my last one. And uh, th- this guy isn't going to be backing
2: up the whole time. I'm liking your 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 Twitter persona as of late. You're very outspoken. You're a very uh, entertaining. Follow your your follow your 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 handle is uh, twittercom slash MMA. And recently, you you did a fantastic job of generating some some press and some attention for yourself when you said you hinted that you would be. CM Punk's first opponent. I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, "Is this guy?" I mean, even people who don't know anything about him is This Irish guy, uh, Kofal, is he going to be fighting uh, CM Punk? That was brilliant stuff right there. You you must have enjoyed every second of that.
8: Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> every 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 fighter on the roster was calling out CM Punk, and uh, I let it slip that I may may have or may have not been contacted about a fight with him in uh, in Dublin. So. Uh, it caused quite a stir but uh, I didn't uh, I didn't develop it any further. But uh Twitter that's the that's the fun thing about Twitter. It's uh it's a great tool, it's a great promotional tool and, and uh it's fun when you cause a stir like that.
2: It was amazing how many people were just eating out of your hand. Did you think it would become that big a deal?
8: <laughs> uh, no I I knew it would it would turn a few heads but I didn't think it would get that crazy. I mean I had my Twitter was blowing up, on my Facebook page was. It was even getting messages on my Facebook page from like all these CM Punk fans that were telling me I was going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> and then, and then there was there was there was articles being written about it, left, right, and centre. And it, 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 the the wrestling uh, fan base seemed to to um, cling onto it more so than the MMA. So there was, there was a, lot, a lot of wrestling website were reporting and stuff. So it was, uh, it was it was very good fun to be honest.
2: Are you one of these people who thinks this is bad for the sport, all that stuff?
8: No, I think it's absolutely fantastic for the sport. I think, uh, you know, the guys that are, are complaining about it need to get their head screwed on. This guy is, uh, you know, a massive, massive personality. He's, uh, he's huge in the United States, a big fan base. And uh, the, the sport and the people in it are only going to benefit from him. He's going he's gonna to get a lot more eyes onto the sport. Um, like I said, I think he's going to be one and done, but, uh, but you know, that's uh, here or there. He, for that one fight, there's going to be a lot of new people watching it. And I think, you know, he, he might take a lot, uh, some some of the fan base from wrestling that might not watch UFC will uh, will tune in and then maybe become fans. And like I said, one guy is going to be to win the lottery. Might be me. Might not be me. But uh, that's, a, that's a big fight for whoever gets that.
2: Something tells me you're a little too experienced for fighting a guy like that, uh, who's unknown and doesn't have much experience. But you never know. Uh, why do you think he's one and done? By the way.
8: Well, uh, I, I definitely am too, too experienced. From I think, I think anyone in the UFC really is. The, uh, you know, it, it, it's the, the top one percentile of, of uh, MMA fighters in the world are are based in the UFC, and um, you know he's coming in at the top. Uh, like I said, I've no, I've no problems with that. He's, he's coming in and he's only going to do good for the sport. Um, he, he's going to lose his fight, and, and people will, will just say, "Well, you know, he he was a rookie, he came in, and he gave it his best." But um, I, I, I don't, like I said, don't see don't see any problem for it. I don't think there's going to be, going to be any uh, any problems there. He'll be one and done, and, and, and leave his mark on the sport by bringing some more fans to it.
2: You know, I was just talking to John about this, your coach, John Kavanaugh, about uh, the, the actually, you, you were fighting on that day, October 4th. Uh, your team, SBG, you guys were on a roll. Of course, you had that great night in, in Dublin back in July and then October 4th wasn't the best day for you guys as far as the UFC is concerned. You won a very close fight, but then you had Patty Houlihan lose, and you also had Gunnar Nelson lose. When you came back to the gym, what was the vibe like? You know, you guys had been on such a roll, confidence at an all-time high, and then there was that brief stumble. What was it like as opposed to when you guys were rolling? Um, well,
8: you know, we didn't bear. Uh, we didn't feel like it was a big stumble. I mean, we had... We... We took a couple of losses. You have to remember the week before Connor fought Dustin Poirier and uh, and won spectacularly in you know, the first round. So you know that was still amongst the team. So basically, in two weeks, we went two and two. Um, as an MMA team, you have weeks like that. you know, you you have your weeks where you you have eight guys in a local card and win eight fights, and then then you have you you have your your days where you have a mediocre result uh, like two and two, but. Uh, the, and uh, considering we went two and two in two weeks and that's a bad day for us, that shows how good our team team is because um, that's, that's as bad as it gets. We're, we, 90% of the time we're, we're on a card and we're getting clean sweeps. Mm. Uh, but it was just business as usual. We all just got, got, got back to it. I think you know, the other guys who lost, Gunny and Paddy, uh, both of them were unbeaten. And like John was speaking about earlier, I think it's only had positive effects on them and it may have even taken a little bit of pressure off them having that oversight on their their head
2: what's life like for you these days and I ask this because you know I was on a show last week in Ireland it's called uh, Off the Ball have you heard of it yeah and uh, you know, I, I obviously I've never heard of it. I, I don't live in Ireland. I've only been there once. But uh, you know, people on Twitter were telling me that it was a big deal that they were talking about MMA. And I know that um, after I believe it was your first win, you were on a very popular radio show over in Ireland, and they kind of they kind of threw some uninformed, ignorant questions at you, and it, it it obviously got the fans a little riled up. Do you feel like the the media, the public in Ireland? Are a lot more informed. Like, has a lot changed in the last six or seven months, or is there still a lot of work to be done over there?
8: It's a, it's a slow process. I mean, some some people jumped on board straight away, like uh, media-wise, and and got up to date with the sport. Others are just, were just learning um, as they go, and then there's some who just um, didn't really want to to learn about it. And were ignorant, like the like the interview you were talking about, where I was uh, discussing to a popular radio host called. Ray Darcy but um, you know he, he had clearly made his mind up about the sport before I even came in he, he didn't do any research he said he watched uh, this was a couple of days in, in fact I think it was the Monday after the, the uh, event in Dublin and, and um, you know I came in he he um uh, Said he watched the fights, yet he was asking me, "Do we even wear gloves?" And I didn't know there was any rules and stuff like this. So, you know, uh, you'd expect someone uh, in the media to to do the research if they're ha- having uh, a guest in. Will just show the uh, kind of amateur streak in his part. But there's always there's always going to be a, a, a um, few people like that in the media. But ninety ninety nine percent of the people in the Irish media have really taken taken them um, on board the sport, got got involved. Uh, done their homework, and like you saw that day you were on um, on the radio, I was also on the radio at the same time on, a, on another uh, national radio station, so at the same time, there was myself and yourself on national radio talking about MMA, it just goes to show how big the sport has got.
2: Look at you, counter-programming my uh, big debut on Irish radio. That's not cool.
8: Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to get the figures see who did better.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing <laughs> you did. Um, what about the way people just come up to you on the street and talk? Like when, when you say, oh, this is what I do for a living, I mean, do you, you, you feel like people are a lot more receptive to your line of work? Do, do you get noticed a lot more? What, what's your daily life like over there?
8: Yeah, I get, get noticed uh, quite a bit, uh, um, when, I, when I have to introduce myself and say what I do, I never, I never, never have to explain it anymore. Um, I mean, when I first took up this sport seven or eight years ago, no one in the country knew what it was. And, you know, when I said what I did, people were asking, "Oh, do you mean like the WWE stuff, and hmm. stuff like this?" That, that, those sort of questions don't happen anymore. Then after a while, people, you know, stopped associating with professional wrestling, and then I asked, "Oh yeah, cage fighting, the, that stuff with no no holds barred stuff." And you still had to educate them, but now it seems like uh, I don't have to educate anyone anymore. When I say what I do, they, they know what it is. And it's largely down to Connor as well. I mean, we've all done our, done our part, but Connor is you can't really put into words how much of a superstar he, he is in, in the country right now. He's probably the most not just the most popular athlete, he's probably the most popular person in, in, in Ireland right now. Wow. And uh, he, he's done major things for the sport. Um, really brought MMA into the, into the mainstream. You know, both with, I, I would say, an equal parts of his success and also just the person he is, the, the personality he, he has. So he's he's done great things for, for uh, for the sport and the people in it.
2: Honestly, did you expect that when you first met this guy? Knew him a little bit, trained with him. Did you expect this? Uh,
8: he, look, he's he's always been that that personality. He's, he's exactly the way he is. You know, doing an interview. Um, when he's in the gym so uh, anyone that's ever met him or has been fond of him whether they like him or hate him they want to they want to hear him speak anyway uh so yeah i always knew even when it, we were on the local scene and and uh, a camera or, or a microphone was put in front of him uh, it always got attention so i knew once i got to the international stage he was going to be going to be huge
2: what can you tell us about this rumored uh, stadium show later on this year are you hearing the same thing
8: yeah, I, I actually have a bit of inside info.
2: Oh, what do you got? Uh,
8: one, well, one of my one of my brothers. Uh, I don't want to go, go into it too much, but my brother knows someone within the um, within the stadiums who who works within the stadiums, and I know this. I know date's booked, um, so I, I think I, I, as far as I know, I don't want to get into it. but <laughs>
2: It's but, okay, you like, can tell I, us. I'm paying
8: into too much, but as far as I know, I think I think definite plans. Preliminary plans are made now and definite plans will be be made after this Sunday when uh, everything goes goes as we know it will.
2: Are we talking Croke Park?
8: With well, the two stadiums. Yeah. Croak Park and, and the Aviva. It looks like they haven't narrowed it down to which one yet. But um
2: A bidding war. Hey, pardon? Maybe a bidding war between the two.
8: Maybe a bidding war. I know I know for a fact that when when UFC approached the stadiums at first they were a bit tentative. And now they're fighting with each other for it. So it's, uh, it's funny how it went. Well, at least uh, it shows they know how much interest there is in this one, and how successful it's going to be. And, you know, whether it's Crow Park or the Aviva Stadium, it's going to be the biggest uh, uh, UFC event ever held. And it's pretty incredible that it's going to be held in a small little island called Ireland with only 5 million people.
2: Yeah, that is pretty amazing. By the way, I'm assuming you want to be on that card, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty,
8: that's pretty definite
2: Yeah um, So let's, let's keep the, uh, the, the prediction thing going uh, Connor says two minutes uh, John Kavanaugh says a minute He said that you are going to get, if my memory serves me correct now a Submission in the second round uh, As far as your fight is concerned What do you think? What's, what's your call? You guys are so good at predictions
8: um, I don't know, I think Connor's better at predictions than I am I might just <laughs> like, like, call up to his room there and ask what he thinks <laughs> um i i think i'm I'm going out there like I said, I was a bit disappointed in my my uh last fight I wanted to keep the momentum going uh, after you know the praise I got for my comeback performance in, in my first fight I wanted to come come out with a just a spectacular one sided performance in my next one. I didn't get the opportunity to do that uh i think with with the the, the style of my opponent now i've 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 got the opportunity to do a guy that's gonna be right in front of me and I'll be able to take him out in the first round cool. um yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not even looking to grapple with this guy. I'm just. I don't know. I'm gonna come straight for him. If it, if, it, if it goes to the ground, I'm just gonna um, start throwing shots. So I'm gonna say maybe TKO in the first.
2: I like it. By the way, what yeah. was it like being at that park where they filmed uh, Goodwill Hunting? And you were sitting on that bench from that famous scene with Robin Williams and Matt Damon. I, I saw that you posted a picture of that. What was that like for you?
8: Yeah, that's. Yeah, you know, it was pretty cool. Was yeah, iconic. Yeah. Uh, Iconic scene from from that movie and an iconic part of Robin Williams' life. So it was pretty really amazing, and you know, it has there's loads of graffiti on on the bench just of of uh, famous quotes from Robin Williams. It was uh, pretty awesome to, to read, and it kind of highlighted how, how great of a career that guy, that guy had. I know he was, was he was known as a funny man, but you know, he had some some great dramatic roles, and a lot of his. uh those quotes were on the, um, the bench. So I, I'd advise anyone that's in Boston for the fight this weekend to, to get out and, and uh, take a look at that. It's pretty amazing.
2: Will you be attending a Celtics game?
8: Yeah, I'm going on Friday night with my, my family the night before the weigh So that's great. That. Oh, I, I used to go as a kid. I, I uh, have a few pictures floating around of me in in Celtics pajamas and, 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 and t-shirts and stuff. I think I might've put one off recently on my Instagram, but, yes, uh, I, I I can still remember being a Celtic fan as a kid, so I'm looking forward to um, to going back there on Friday
2: and soaking that of it. That's great. Well, uh, very happy that you're getting this opportunity. Uh, congratulations on that. But I know the big one is is this Sunday, you versus Sean Spencer. Best of luck to you, Cahal. Uh Looking forward to seeing you down there and looking forward to the fight. Appreciate the time here. Thanks, Ari. I'll yep. talk to you soon. All right, there he is, Call Pendred, stopping by, a member of the. SBG Ireland team, a very big weekend for them, as I've been saying all show long. Uh, they have three fighters on the card, McGregor, Paddy Houlihan, Carl Pendred, and, of course, Norman Park, who hails from Northern Ireland, is also on the card. He competes against Gleison Tebow this Sunday, which is a, uh, a sort of replay, if you will, of that great Dublin event in July. Only difference is no Gunnar Nelson, but he was always, the, he was always the, uh, the, 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 the honorary Irishman. He, of course, is from I- Iceland. He fought in the co event, but now we have four Irishmen on the card. I can't wait to see that, that scene and, uh, and, and the way the crowd receives these guys. It's going to be very interesting. Gonna be a very interesting week in Boston with the Patriots also in the conference championship and just seeing how the way, uh the way people respond to Conor McGregor. I'm very curious to see about that. And of course, selfishly, I'm very excited that we finally get another East Coast show. Jeez Louise, it's been a lot of West Coast stuff, or just really far trips. New York, Boston, I like that. I can live with that. So we're supposed to have Johnny Hendricks on the show. Um sure that was very annoying. Um apparently apparently they are having a hard time getting a hold of him. And of course I appreciate everyone fighting through our technical difficulties. It seemed like we had a very good stretch there for a while. And then recently things have, uh, I think last week we had a brief hiccup. This one was a little longer. So I apologize if you wanted to obviously check out the Cal interview. I apologize um, if you missed any portion of it. But don't worry, replay will be up right after the show and we'll have everything for you. So uh, these things happen when you do uh, live streaming internet stuff, but uh, we usually have it up pretty soon afterwards. We appreciate everyone uh, sticking with us and uh, and being patient. So of course, uh, we were talking about the welterweight division. It's a very interesting time in the welterweight division. It was reported uh, over the weekend by several outlets that uh, Hector Lombard and Rory McDonald will be taking place April 25th in Montreal. And this excites me for the simple reason that it's great that the UFC is going back to Montreal. Finally, it has been some time. By the time this event happens, it will be over two years since the UFC is back in Montreal. And hopefully we'll see a, a lot more love to Canada. I know there have been some rumors about a event in Windsor uh, not happening after all. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very interesting time, and and, and and I don't feel that Canadian MMA fans should feel Two down I, I I know for a fact that Canada is still a very big priority for the UFC they just signed a deal with TSN um, which is the equivalent to ESPN uh, here in the United States and they 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 are not forgetting about Canada I just think there's been some bad luck as of late some some events that have forced the UFC to look elsewhere but um, one would think that it would have been perfect timing to have Roy McDonald Uh, fight in Montreal. Of course, he trains in Montreal these days. He's from British Columbia. All the stars were lining up for the guy. But unfortunately, it appears as though he's not, at least for him, he's not getting a title shot, but will be involved in a big fight. So we'll talk to him about that in a little bit. And uh, of course, uh, we're assuming that the next fight now is going to be Johnny Hendricks versus Robbie Lawler for the uh, welterweight title. And you know, I want to talk to Johnny about that, so hopefully we get a hold of him. For now, though, let's go to another guest who is in somewhat limbo because he's wondering what's going on with his next fight. Of course, I'm talking about Matt Brown. It was announced recently that he will not be fighting Tarek Safidine on February the 14th, so we want to know what's going on. We have him on the phone right now. We appreciate his time. Matt, how are you? Matt, are you there? Yeah. Hey Matt, uh, thank you very much for coming on, especially a little earlier than we had planned. Um, so everyone asks me; I get tons of questions. I'm sure you're getting a hell of a lot more. What's going on? February 14th, you don't have an opponent. What can you tell us about the situation?
4: Um, nothing. I don't know anything. <laughs> I wish I knew more. You got you probably know more than I do.
2: How frustrating is this for you?
4: Um, it, it doesn't really bother me. You know, I mean, um, I don't really let things get like. Like that, get to me. I mean, it's just a uh, part of the game. Um, I just got to be ready no matter what, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a championship fight or just, uh, you know, some nobody coming in. I'm mean, going to have to be ready to say it either way. So I'm just worried about what I'm doing and, and getting myself completely prepared. And then I'll let the, everything else take care of itself.
2: Are they telling you that the plan, at least right now, is to still have you fight on that card on February 14th?
4: I haven't heard any different. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I don't have anything beyond that. Actually.
2: Have you heard of names? I know there was some talk, uh, Hector, but that's obviously very soon. Donald Cerrone threw his name in the hat, but he's fighting this weekend. Have you have you heard any names discussed? Because right now, you look at the the the, the fights that w- would make the most sense. There's no name that really jumps out at you as far as an opponent that makes sense.
4: Um, no, I haven't really heard anything actually. Um, yeah, you know, I've, uh, it's I've literally just been. Sitting around and waiting, and uh, you know, I talk to my manager about it every day. Say, Hey, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? And uh, I haven't heard anything, so that's pretty much about what it is, honestly.
2: What was your reaction when you found out that Tarek pulled out of the fight? Because let's be honest, he has had some issues with injuries as of late, pulled out of a few fights. What was your reaction to it?
4: Um, you, you know, I've had so many fights where guys have pulled out due to injury that it's just I almost uh, expect it now, you know. Mm. <laughs> I mean. It's. I think some, somebody sent me a statistic. It was something like 75% of my opponents have got hurt. It's been changed. Wow. So it, it's something like that. Uh, maybe, maybe less, maybe more. But, you know, it was uh, a while ago somebody sent me that statistic, and you might have to double-check it. You're you're a stats guy. You probably will figure
2: it out. Know, I would. believe it or not, I'm not much of a stats guy, but I get what you're trying to say. Oh, I will look into yeah. it, though. That is uh, that that is a pretty amazing stat, and I'm sure it's frustrating. Do you take it as maybe a feather in your cap? Like, all right, maybe guys are getting a little banged up, and I can't risk going in there at anything less than 100% against Matt Brown.
4: No, I mean, I, I'm. It's a brutal sport. Guys get hurt, and I'm sure that that's what's happening. You know, every time someone gets hurt, you know, I hear that. People assuming messages all oh, he you know hurt his vagina or you know he, he he's scared or you know this or that and, you know it's just, I think it just happens I mean it's it's a tough sport people get hurt and I think it's just the way the world works.
2: Was that a fight that you were looking forward to? Did you like that matchup?
4: Um, yeah, I look forward to pretty much any fight. You know, just stepping in the octagon is, is what I look forward to.
2: Are you uh, one of these guys that you know, like right now? do You just care about getting an opponent, or do you want one? You want one that makes sense, that is, you know, ranked, that has, or at this point, you don't care. It could be a guy out of the UFC. You just want to fight on February fourteenth.
4: No, to be honest, I want somebody that makes sense. I, okay. I, I feel, I feel that I've paid my dues. You know what I mean? I, sure. I've, I've fought, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, lower guys to get to where I'm at. I feel like I've worked my way up to here. I don't, I don't think I've been. Uh, gifted anything, you know. I think my ranking is uh, is due to the hard work that I put in, and I don't feel that uh, that, that should be jeopardized uh, at this point. You know, by taking a, a lesser opponent, I i I'm actually, absolutely think that uh, that I should have somebody in the top ten, uh, no matter what. Um, you know, I, I can't guarantee that's going to happen, and I can't uh, you know I can't worry about it if it doesn't happen. But you know, I absolutely believe that that's what I have earned
2: what if they tell you we can give you a top 10 guy but you're going to have to wait a couple months or we can give you a guy who's maybe out of the top 10 or 15 maybe not even in the ufc which do you prefer
4: that's a tough question you know what i mean but um to be honest i'd probably rather wait for a top 10 guy I mean,
5: mm-hmm.
4: it's uh like i said i've paid my dues you know what i mean like if, if the The ranking system is, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, a ranking is, is an important thing. You know, th- it's unfortunate, you know, that this is a business, you know, but that's really what it is. You know I mean? This is not, you know, we, we don't just go fight anybody any day. That's not, you know, we're, that, that's what I did when I was an amateur. That's what I did coming up. I feel like I've done that long enough and I've paid my dues and uh, I've earned the spot that I'm at. And I feel that like I deserve to be fighting top ten guys. Um, My last fight, you know, was a close fight to the current champion. So I know, I I feel like I've shown everybody that's where I'm at and that's where I can be and I don't deserve anything less. You don't always get what you deserve in life. Mm. I understand that. So I'm I'm not going to complain no matter what happens. You know, I'm a warrior and I get in there and I fight no matter who's in front of me. But I absolutely, 100% believe that I should have a top-ten guy in my next fight, whether that's a year from now or whether that's tomorrow.
2: Speaking of which, is there any particular reason why you haven't fought since July? I know 2014 was very busy for you. Was it just a matter of you know, you needing some time off or something else?
4: No, I was pretty beat up after the volleyball fight. I had a, a pretty nasty hand injury. Okay. Um, tore, tore the leg in my hand. And that was, um, that was, uh, you probably remember when, uh, they actually called me to fight Lombard um, uh, in Australia and I took the fight, um, over the phone with Dana and, but I just left the doctor actually. And, uh, you know, nobody basically nobody else in my camp was agreeing with me. Everybody else said, dude, don't be stupid. <laughs> don't take that fight, you know, cause I literally just walked out of the doctor, and had a torn ligament in my hand and. I just assumed that it would have been healed by the fight, but I would have been training with a uh, 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 one-handed. So everybody said that's a bad idea, and that was what ended up happening.
2: So, what you, you accepted the fight, and then you called Dana back, or your team called them back and said, "On second well, thought, it's not I, the like,
4: went, Dana called me and said, "Hey, you want to fight Lombard in eight weeks?" I said, "Yeah, sure, whatever." You know, and and then I called my manager. I said, "Hey, Dana just asked me to fight. You know, in eight weeks and." And then he, he whatever I don't know what happened after that, but you know basically everybody in my camp was like what what are you talking about <laughs>
5: um,
4: you know everybody said, you know don't don't be dumb and all this and that, so whatever happened, I don't know it ended up not happening,
2: and were you disappointed that you know it was taken away from you? you were down to fight no
4: when... no, no i mean i i I knew it wasn't you know the necessarily the most intelligent decision to take the fight, but um uh, again, like I'm not a. Unfortunately, this is a business, and I'm not uh, necessarily a businessman. You know, my my job is to fight. If someone calls me and asks me to fight, if if Dana called me and asked me to step outside and fight somebody in the street, I will go do it. <laughs> you know, so it, it, that's that's what I do for a job. That's what I do is I fight people. So if they ask me to fight, I'm going to say yes, and that's the reason that we have managers and and uh, you know. Uh, people in, within the camp that you know that that take care of the the business part of things you know and try to give me the best chance of winning
2: speaking of that uh recently your your wife on twitter was very fired up because as far as the rankings are concerned um lombard jumped over you because he had just won and you know if this was july august or anything beyond in the, in the world of sponsorships, you know, with the Reebok deal, uh, you, you make according to where you're ranked. So going from five to six would be a major jump and you'd even fight. You haven't fought since July and this fired her up. And, you know, she was, uh, expressing her views on the media, doing the ranking and all that. I mean, did you, did you, do you notice this stuff? Did you pay attention to that? And how did you feel about the fact that you were, you know, you were, uh, you were pushed down after not fighting?
4: Um, I I remain pretty much indifferent to it. It's it's something I I just can't allow my my focus to become on something like that. Um, Again, you know, that's that's a part of the business side of things where, you know, we are going to be on a tiered system soon with the the uniforms and everything. So the ranking is going to be important on the business side, but I can't allow that to be uh, a part of my thought process. I have to maintain You know, my focus on on the goal hand, that's to win each and every fight. And, you know, she thinks about things like that, obviously, you know, and and a lot of other people do, too, I think. Is, Is that your sister, Sophia Helwani? She's oh, always, by uh, the way,
2: no. I want to clear that up. That is not my sister. Okay. That is not okay. my, By the way, that is Megan Fox in the picture. So, um, you know, we have good genes, oh. <laughs> but that's not my sister. I don't know. What, what should I do about this situation? It's a little weird that a person is pretending have to be no my idea. sister. Who, it's creepy. So you have no
4: idea who she even
2: is, then? No, I doubt it's a girl. I bet it's some loser kid.
4: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Okay. Creepy. Well, whoever that is, yeah. they they seem to really enjoy my fights and really I take-
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I hope they're not terrorizing anyone. That's at least good. At least it's positive stuff. No, no, they're, they're pushing for me really hard. Really <laughs> <they are. laughs> wow. No wonder you did the show but, today. Uh, Thank you.
4: And, uh, <laughs> no, so, you know, everybody has an opinion, right? You know, and uh, everybody's in town with their opinion. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that people, you know, there are some people out there pushing for me and you know, support me and, you know, want to see me be, be higher and uh, and do bigger, better things. Um, you know, all I can focus on is my day to day grind and do a, you know what I can uh, what what I can do to better myself and and improve myself and set up a career. You know, the best that I can. That, that's all I can worry about. I don't worry about all this other stuff, really.
2: So you don't like when you find out about the Reebok deal, that stuff. You don't even try to worry about what this means to you. you. Just let other people deal with that.
4: I mean, I I just, I can't. I mean, this is a, it's just a a negative energy. Uh, You know, when you, if you look at a negative light, I mean, if you look in a positive light, it could be a positive energy, I guess. But, you know, it's just a a distraction to me. I mean, I have have one focus and, and that's to, you know, be the best that I can be every single day and work as hard as I can work every single day. And, I mean, that's all I think about. I, I, I don't let this other stuff bother me at all. I mean, Dana called me, you know, and told me about the Reebok deal, I think, like, right before, you know, the day before it's going to be announced, and, like, I didn't even discuss it with him. I was like, cool, whatever. You know, I mean, I didn't ask any questions. So
2: it, <laughs> How it, long was just, that conversation? It was maybe five minutes.
4: Wow. At the, at the most, I mean, again, like, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I to sit there, ask a bunch of questions, say, this is bullshit, or this is great, or whatever? I mean, there's nothing I can do about it, you know what I mean? It's... You know, I'm still whether it's the best thing in the world or whether it's the worst thing in the world, I'm still going to get in there and 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 fight and bang it out as hard as I can, right? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to change what I do.
5: Mm
4: -hmm. So, you know, hopefully, you know, works out for the best for everybody. But, you know, who who knows what's going to happen? You know, I gotta put my trust in uh, you know the UFC. They've done a great job with the organization for the past. Uh, you know, 20 plus years that it's been around, and they build it to what it is now. So I've got to maintain the the faith that they're going to uh, keep making it a bigger, better thing. So it's in their best interest to do so.
2: Yeah, of course. And 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 so prior to the uh, Robbie Lawler fight, you had won seven in a row, and uh, you know, of course, that fight didn't go your way. Although it was one of the best fights of the year. Uh, prior to that, you had not lost since November of 2011. What was it like feeling? the feelings that come with a loss. It had been such a long time for you, such an amazing streak. What was that like?
4: Uh, man, a loss sucks, bro. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is something, uh, you, you can't even describe it. I mean, you know, like, like after the fight, everybody said, Oh, great fight. You, you know, you didn't lose any stock, blah, blah. I mean, it just doesn't mean anything, you know? Uh, even Anthony Kiedis was backstage and said what's up to me. And I've, you know, I've listened to the Chili Peppers forever. I love the Chili Peppers, and it was awesome to meet him. But I just lost and, like I didn't even care. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just can't describe the feeling. I mean, you put so much into it, and you know, every bit of your heart and soul goes into it. And you, you, you know, I put my my family kind of, you know, sits back and waits for me to do my thing, and they kind of end up on the side a little bit and, um, you know, I put other business ventures on the side, like, you know, I have my podcast that I'm doing and, and, uh, the Great may debate, by the way, um, you know, I have a, you know, these everything gets put on the side and, and then the, 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 the one thing that, that you were focused on doesn't go your way. It just, yeah, I can't describe that feeling. It's, it's the worst feeling in the world. I don't even like talking about it. <laughs>
2: Uh, that loss did it. Did it hurt more than the others? Because you were on the streak, you were so close to getting that title shot. Was it was it different than the the ten other ones or the eleven other ones?
4: Um, it was a little different. I mean, so, some of these other losses, you know, I mean, I, I just knew that I shouldn't have lost. I knew that I was way better than the guys that I was fighting. I knew that, you know, it was my fault that I lost. Um, the the one difference with this fight was, you know, you know. I, I did fight, you know, one of the best guy in the world right now. Um, I did give it uh, all that I had. Uh, you know, I felt like uh, I really pushed myself in the fight to, to do the best that I could. It, it w- I didn't make any stupid mistakes. Uh, I, I, I did the best camp that I could do. You know, the, there wasn't any regrets on, on that side. There's other fights where you have regrets, and that's what really hurts. Um, you know, regret hurts way worse than than anything else so I, I don't have any regrets about the fight it just you know just obviously i you know wish it, I, I could have done you know change whatever i would have needed to change and I, i'm not even sure what it was that i needed to change
2: have you been able to watch it since oh yeah <laughs> oh you watch it a lot i thought you maybe just forget about it
4: no no, no i have to watch it yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty uh I'm kind of a nerd in that sense. I like seeing myself on TV.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fun.
4: <laughs> I don't blame I mean, you. it's cool, right? I mean, I'm on freaking, you know, the main event on Fox. I mean, yeah, you got to watch it. You know? Of course, uh, you got. Even if it's not just studying the fight, the fact that like seeing myself on TV is—I'm kind of, I guess you can call it kind of nerdy, but I think it's cool.
2: I don't think it's nerdy. I think it's just natural. It's weird if you weren't into that, um, but I, I feel like I'm a little surprised to hear you say that because you strike me as the kind of guy who just kind of. Move on to the next one, but it's good to hear that you do take it all in. Um, you're you're in Colorado right now, right? You're in the Mountain Time Zone? Yeah. I'm assuming you're doing that because you're fighting in Colorado. So you have, you have made that sacrifice. You've left your family again, and you're there and just waiting in limbo. This has got to be strange. Like, is it tough to get up in the morning and, and go train without knowing who you're going to fight?
4: Um, no. I mean, I, I just go ahead and uh, even if I, you know, even if I had an opponent, you know, I'd, I'd be doing the same thing. I worry about myself. Um, you know, my opponent, I believe they, they have to worry about what I'm doing. Um, so it's, it's pretty much the same thing is it? you know, the, the difficult part is, um, you know, like I do a lot of visualization type stuff I do a lot of, uh, you know, we do a lot of specific type work where, where, you know, if you, obviously like if you're, Fighting Southpaw, and you know, you'd be training with Southpaws and fighting a wrestler. Be training with wrestlers, things like that. That that's what makes it difficult is I don't know what training partners to bring in. I don't know who to train with. So really, we're just you know focusing on myself and trying to keep the weight low and and try to keep everything uh, sharp as we can be. And so we're so we'd be ready to go anytime against any person.
2: Do you want to ask? You know the 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 powers that be. Do you want to call someone out to put it as bluntly as possible? Or do you want do you want to make uh, a request for a fight right now?
4: Um, I, I gosh, you kind of put me on the spot. I Didn't have even thought about it.
2: Honestly, <laughs> um, that's amazing in itself. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I haven't like not thought about it. But, sure, sure. I, mean, I haven't thought about
4: calling anybody out. I would say. Um,
2: but top, and, you know, top of your head, I say fight that makes most sense. Fight you want. Is there a name that comes to the, to the forefront?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, definitely the, the fight that makes the most sense for me is, you know, when Condit comes back, I think that's the one that every yeah. band wants to see. And that's, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a great fight for me and for Condit. I think we have a great stylistic matchup and, but I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not the type to to call anybody out, and I know he's the same. You know, I think you know we have mutual respect, and you know, in the top ten, I think you know he's the only guy that's out there with in limbo, really, same as me.
2: Yeah, I I I, I gather that he wouldn't be ready to fight on February 14th, coming off the uh, the ACL, but um hopefully in the near yeah. future. Before I let you go, Matt, you know you mentioned the podcast. I want to plug it. The Great MMA de- Debate. It's on uh, foxsports.com. You can get that also on iTunes. Um, and you made some headlines recently when you were talking about CM Punk. Um, have you have you softened up on the issue, or uh, are you still not a fan of the signing?
4: Well, I, I never. Um, I wouldn't say it, like I softened up on the issue, or I wasn't really like that hard to start with about it. You know, the the, the thing I was saying is like you know, like on ESPN they said that. I call him a dumb athlete. Well, I didn't call him a dumb athlete. I said that he's dumb to think that he could compete with UFC-level guys in his first fight. And I would completely stand by that statement. If he was standing right in front of me, I would tell him that. I mean, how many people walk into our gym all the time and say, what do you do to be in the UFC? I'm like, well, you're dumb to think that you're going to be able to do that. You know, I don't care if you're, you know, freaking you know, a CrossFit champion or gymnastics champion, you know, whatever, you know, unless you are a wrestling champion, not pro wrestling champion, but you know, like an NCAA champion or something, then I would tell you, you know, you probably shouldn't even think about it until a few years of training. Mm. I don't, so I don't know. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so obvious. I don't know. I mean, it's the UFC's decision. You know, it's cool. I, I totally get why they're doing it, but it, it just seems like it's just blatantly obvious that it's, it's not really about like him being a champion. It's not really about him having any, you know, it's not like, you know, we have any reason to believe he's going to have an exciting fight or, you know what I mean? there's literally the only thing is he has this name from pro wrestling. And now to me, that just, it does not excite me at all.
2: Fair enough you know,
4: you know, and I don't know, like, who's he going to fight? You know, like, what he, they going to, you know, the the, on, the only person they could bring in would be someone else that, that doesn't right. know how to fight. You know, I mean, it's, I, it's crazy to me. Like, he, Brock Lesnar did fights outside. Of, how many fights did he do outside? He had yesterday? one. Just one, right? Yeah. And uh, so, like, he, he at least knew, you know, well, what he had in store, you know what I mean? Like, what it felt like to be in there. Um, I think you know the thing that I was getting at when I was talking about CM Punk was, you know, I think he's going to be in for a big shock. You know, the the when you step in that UFC cage, when, when they say it's as real as it gets, I mean that's that's the truth. I mean when it, when you walk in there, there's lights shining on you and everybody looking at you, and there's a dude across the cage that, that wants to rip your head off. It's a different feeling than than anything he's ever felt before. He's gonna have some really deep, dark thoughts that he's gonna wish he didn't do. You know, what I mean, he's gonna—we call it the worm of doubt. Mm. He's gonna have lots of worms in his head. Of doubt.
2: <laughs> Very well said. Uh, well, we'll wait and see on that. Also, uh, hoping that you do get a fight. Hopefully it's on February 14th. I appreciate you coming on, Matt, to talk about this. I know you're in limbo, and it's probably not the best, uh, the best topic to discuss while you're waiting for an opponent. So really appreciate your time. Good luck to you. Uh, good luck in training, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot.
4: All right, thanks,
2: Bill. There he is, Matt Brown stopping by. Hopefully he gets a fight on February the 14th. Let's stick with the welterweights. Let's talk to now the man who fought on the same night as that big CM Punk announcement. Of course, we're talking about the now former UFC welterweight champion. Looks like he'll be getting a third crack uh, at Mr. Robbie Lawler in the near future. We'll find out a whole lot more about that right now as we talk to Johnny Hendricks, who's on the phone right now. Johnny, how are you?
9: Doing good. Sorry. No Ah. problem. Sorry about earlier.
2: No problem. I know you're, uh, you're a very prompt fellow, so no hard feelings. appreciate the time. Um, so let's get right to it. Have you been told that you are getting a third crack at Robbie Lawler?
9: Uh, yeah, we have. Um, you know, and right now, I, you know, I really haven't been thinking about a date. What I've been thinking about is getting my, uh, you know, obviously I've been trying to lift some weights, get strong again, and get my body fat down. Uh, so that way I can continue to, to fight at welterweight.
2: Yeah. Well, are you, because I know I spoke to you after the fight and you were talking about the weight cut and all that. I mean, ha, have you been seriously thinking or did you seriously think about making that move?
9: Uh, well, it was either that or, or retire, you right. know what I mean? Because that's how bad that weight cut was. Um, but uh, I came back, I talked to my wife, you know, we sat down, and uh, we said, let's let's do it. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I, I'm still young at this sport. I still want to do it. I still have that desire. You know what I mean? I want to get my belt back. Um, I don't think, you know what I mean? I, it, it, it sucks because, you know, the last couple of fights has been uh, where it's questionable. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, it's half my fault. You know what I mean? Uh hell is half my fault the reason why it's questionable. And, and it boils down to weight cut. You know what I mean? Uh, I can't balloon up to two eighteen like I normally do, you know, and think that Dolce can get me down to weight, you know? Um, and that's where I'm taking the responsibility I have. You know, I'm walking around at ninety five. Wow. Uh I'm 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 getting my muscle mass back, you know, I'm I'm doing the science behind it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do everything I can to get my body fat you know, my goal is in a month to be down to 14% or less. And I'm only, I went from 24 to now I'm at 17. So I'm, I'm doing the right steps. And it also make it better for me whenever I fight too, because, uh, it'll have my power back. I'll have a lot of my sting. My coaches are starting to say, man, you feel like you're hitting hard again. That makes me happy. Uh, and, It'll also help with my wrestling and everything.
2: So to be clear, you never thought about going up to 185? It was either stick with 170 or retire?
9: Well, because I want, I, you know, here's the thing. I, wanna, I wanted to do some things at Welterweight. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. I, didn't
9: do, I didn't do everything I wanted to do. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, yeah. I want, I I that belt is waiting for me, you know, and I want to get that thing back. Um, and if I do the right things, I make the right sacrifices, good Lord will, and I'll get it back. Um, and that's, that's my mindset right now. Uh, and that's sort of the way it was. It was, and you know, yeah, I thought about 185, but, um, it, I would have felt like it was unjust. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I didn't, uh, I didn't quite. Do everything because it would still be in the back of my mind, man, you know, I still, there's still this guy, there's still that guy, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's sort of the way my head works.
2: Just how bad was that weight cut for you?
9: Uh, let's just say it won't ever happen again. Okay. If it does, then yes, it has to, I'll either have to go 185 or be done. Uh, I don't think my body can handle another one like that. Uh
2: was it serious? Man. Like, was it scary at a point where, where you thought you might not be able to fight?
9: Well, I, well no, I just didn't think I was going to make the weight. Hell, I'll, I'll, I'll always be able to fight. You know what I mean? I don't care what happens to me. Uh, if I have a fight date, I'm going to fight. I think I've proven that. Uh, it was just that I didn't th- uh, if you don't make the weight, then that just looks bad on you. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and, and that's sort of where we were at. And I knew that I had to make the weight. I knew I wanted to do this. And like I said, you know, and, and, and it boils back to also, you know, I don't want to do that to Robbie. You know what I mean? Uh, you, don't, you go out there and you can't make weight. And, you know, it just, uh, you know, that's just not the type of person I am.
2: Have you watched the fight again? And do you believe right now, you know, a little over a month later, that you deserve to win that second fight?
9: You know, whenever I watch it, don't get me wrong, I, you know, I am biased. You know, I try not to be, but, you know, I, I control, you know, how much time did I control of that fight? You know what I mean? How many, how many of this and that? You know, realistically, there's about three minutes of the fight that I really didn't control. You know what I mean? Um, that I wasn't dictating the pace. I wasn't throwing my combinations. I wasn't doing this. Uh, there some things that I need to work on. You know, we got so caught up on that single leg. Then whenever I get to it, I, 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 I sort of went to a brain fork where, it, you know, whenever I took him down, it sort of happened so, in a sense, uh, you know, it happened so quickly that my mind was like, oh, I thought, you know, you think that he's going to put up uh, a different fight. You know what I mean? In my mind, because that's wrestling. You know, I'll, whenever I do this, he's going to do this. I'm going to have to transition to this whenever it happened, whenever I dumped him, he just fell. And I sort of got caught in the aspect of, oh, it, it, it sort of happened with no counter reaction. And my mind didn't switch over to the second move. So, you know, there's a lot of faults that I did that I should have, that they won't happen again, you know, that I'll make better. I'll clean up. My striking still wasn't as good as I'd like it. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm working on that. Uh and again, if I have that weight cut, uh, if I do the weight cut and I get my, myself prepared, like I know I can, and I know I'm going to, um, this next fight, I'll have the cardio, I'll have the muscle endurance to, to maintain it.
2: Is it fair to say that at some points in that fight, you were fighting not to lose as opposed to fighting to win?
9: No, 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 not really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, well, realistically, on some of those takedowns, whenever I was getting there, uh, you know, there's accumulation of – there's accumulative cumulative things that happen that made me in certain situations. For example, you get him into the clinch, and I have two, a double leg on him. Uh, you try to – if you try to separate in your head between his legs – do you think that's smart against somebody like Robbie Lawler? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I sit there, I literally would say, break us. You know what I mean? I'm not coming up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know where his hands are. I don't know where, you know, I know he's against fence, but I don't know where his hands are. He's a very dangerous fighter. He's the type of guy that could knock you out, you know, even though I've eaten his best. But it's a shot that, that you don't see coming that can knock you out. So if I break in those senses and I come out, uh, then, all of a sudden you're, you're i 'm I'm shooting blind for uh, uh, you know maybe a half a second, and realistically that half a second could be the difference on uh you know getting finished.
2: were you surprised when you were told you were getting a third crack because I asked this question because it was announced prior to the fight that Rory McDonald was next, and I know the fight was super close, but did you think wow you know i 'm going to have to probably go out there fight someone else, and then get back in line um, so with that being said, are, were you surprised when you got the news that they were going to put Rory on the sidelines, have him fight someone else, and give you the third shot at Robbie Lawler right away?
9: Not uh, no, because uh you know, I've been right where he's at before.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know I mean? that's true that is true uh, it,
9: it, you know what I mean you, you you're only as good as your last fight, you know what I mean, and our last fight was great, you know what I mean, I think the fans want to see a third fight, you know what I mean. Uh, and that's what we plan on doing, um, and that's sort of my mindset is, you know, if, if, if I have to take another one and it's the way it is, well, guess what? It's the way it is, you know what I mean? But I'm not involved in, the, in those negotiations. That's my management's job, and uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, I got Robbie again. We're working for Robbie. Where you know, I mean, I, as I'm working for Robbie, I'm also working for myself to improve myself. Because like I said, I, I, there's a lot of things I think I could have done a little bit better in that fight. And, uh, and I can still grow. You know what I mean? And I think I made that separation, I thought, from the first fight to the second fight. Um, just uh, the judges didn't see that. Um, and that's where I plan on making sure the judges do see it this next time.
2: Does a part of you, since you've been there, like you said, you've been there before, does a part of you feel a little bit bad for Rory that he was promised something that he's not getting now?
9: Uh, You know, in a sense, uh, yes. And then uh, in a sense, uh, no. You know what I mean? In a sense, yes, because, uh, but the way that I looked at it and, you know, we did interviews and you, you, we talked about this is, Hey, it gives me one more chance to improve on my skills. Mm. You know what I mean? It gave me one more chance to get better to where I could have that. You know what I mean? And, and, and you fight somebody like, you know, it made it, I think it helped me out tremendously. Definitely be able to go with somebody like Carlos Condit. Yeah. Who just got off the fight with him. You know what I mean? So he's going to be ready for a five round fight, but I got him in three. You know what I mean? Like those are things that you can sit there and say, okay, Hey, He's ready. He's he's already trained for a five round fight. He's coming off a loss. He's going to be hungrier. So, how, how do how do you prepare for a guy like this? How do you do this? And you know, and, and so those things really, uh, I think, help you in a sense.
2: You know, we know how much the title meant to you, and it was such a long road to get it. And then you know, you win the belt, you get injured. It's a long road back to being 100% and then of course you get the fight and unfortunately for you you lose it. What has the last month been like? With all that said, you know, how have you digested this because I'm I'm assuming in the back of your mind you never thought that it would be one and done for you as champion.
9: Uh no, I really didn't. And you know, whenever you whenever you sit there and <laughs> and I'm not done. You know what I mean? And that's the beauty of it is that I'm still, you know, who who cares like I care about that fight, but it's not going to be. You know what I mean? Like it is what it is. Uh, you just sit there and say, "Okay, he he got the better of me. He proved to the judges that he won that fight. Cool. Well, it's not the end of me. I'm still developing. You know what I mean? I'm still learning as a fighter, and that's and, and it's that's that's the important part uh, for me is that." As long as I'm still improving, and as still as I, I as long as I still feel the fire and desire to get out there and fight, then that's the important part for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I know I can get yeah. that belt back. I know I can do what I what I set my goal to a long time ago. I can get it back. I know I can. I believe I can. And taking nothing away from Robbie Lawler, I know. I know it's mine to win. You know what I mean? And I have to go in there with that attitude because if I don't, I'm already beat. Does that make sense?
2: Mm. And is this in your mind? I mean, is this do or die for you? Like, are you not interested in going through the ranks again if you can't get the belt in the next fight?
9: Oh, no. No. If I, you know, here, like I said, if I, you know, if I can't get the belt in my next fight and I still wake up and say, hey, I'm enjoying it. Yeah then, yeah, I'll run through the ranks again. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, there's some good guys there. It's a talented uh, weight class. Um, and by all means, I'll do whatever I have to do to get that belt back. You know what I mean? I just don't want to – here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to believe I can and my body not be able to. Does that make sense? Because you see it a lot of times in fighters where they're like, man, I, I know I still have it. I know I still have it, but their body's not able to, to sustain it. You know what I mean? and they get out there, and then the, the, the fight, they might lose a close fight, but they're like, man, I should have won that, you know what I mean? Uh, and the next fight gets a little worse, and then you don't. Then it seems like you don't know when it's time to quit. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, final question for you. Have they told you around when? I mean, we had heard that maybe they wanted this fight to take place in March in Dallas. That would obviously make some sense because the first fight was there, and you are from that area Um, and of course that's not happening now. Do you have any idea when and where this fight will take place?
9: I do not know. (laughs) Not a clue. Uh, nothing. Uh, I've heard, uh, I've heard from April to July. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but I, I find out what you guys, you know what I mean? (laughs) You're, you're my, you're my sense of, uh, (laughs) intelligence through the MMA world. You know what I mean? If, 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 and, and, you know, here's the thing is if you see something and I see something from your page or, you shoot out there, then that's what, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, okay, then then I'll, I'll move from that. That makes sense. But as of right now, I haven't heard anything really. Uh, and, and that's sort of nice in a sense because, like I said, now it really gets me to – I've been lifting weights heavy for the last three weeks. I'm con- going to continue to do that until I find out that I have a date and then I'm going to continue that up to a certain point in my camp. So the more time I get to lift he- heavy and build muscle back mm. like I used to have, the better
2: it's going to be for me. Do you have a preference?
9: Uh let's see here it's uh we can't get March so April, May, you know? I mm. mean, you know what I mean like that would be perfect because then you could still get two fights in, you know what I mean? Uh Win or lose, I can still get another fight in easy, easily before the end of the year, maybe even two. You know what I mean? If I win the belt, then I know I can get at least another one in, maybe two. that makes sense? Uh, and that's what I'm always looking at is always trying to stay somewhat active, uh, you know, because the more active you can be, the more you're going to want to get into the gym, the more you're going to try to, you know, maintain the body weight and all that kind of stuff. So, again, it always pulls around to – as long as I wake up happy every day, then that's what I'm
2: trying to shoot for. Understood. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for the time. Good luck in the fight. Congrats on getting the fight. And by the way, I got to uh, tip my cap to you. I thought maybe the tweet of the year of 2014 was the tweet that you had with your your daughters afterwards. And uh, it just it kind of all put it in perspective. And it was very nice, you know, from one father to another. It It actually kind of... Made me a little emotional that that you would uh, put that out there and, and and still feel you know proud to be their father and and all that stuff that comes along with being a dad. So um, I love that tweet very much. It, it was great to see, great to see that you were still in good spirits and good luck in the trilogy fight. I know a lot of people are looking forward to it.
9: Hey, thank you so much and thank you for that. Yeah, family's everything. You know that, um, and I can't get anywhere without them. So. I'm very blessed that I have them in my lives, and thank you again, Ariel, and sorry again that I I messed up, dude. I'm really sorry.
2: No problem. Not a problem at all. Always great to have you on the show, and we'll talk to you soon.
9: Alright, thank you.
2: There he is, Johnny Hendricks, stopping by. Um, if you haven't seen that tweet, I I, I retweeted it afterwards. You can, you can see he doesn't tweet all that often, so it's not that hard to go back. I, I believe he wrote something like, and still their father, or something like that. So he obviously didn't get the and still from Bruce Buffer after the uh the, the Robbie Lawler fight on December 6th, but great to put everything in perspective. He has a lovely family and uh I just love that stuff. That tweet was great. That gets me right in the heart. Really beautiful. So there you have it from one side of of uh the fence. Hendricks getting the the third crack at Robbie Lawler, getting the immediate rematch. So that's three fights in a row against the same guy. That's pretty amazing. And the other side of the fence is as you've heard me talk about on this show, Roy McDonald is not getting the title shot. And there were some reports and I know the people over at Vendetta Fighter very upset that I didn't credit them at the top. You know, that stuff is very important to me as well. Uh I don't care all that much for people who, you know, whine and cry about getting that credit. I was just kind of talking in the moment and I feel like I do a pretty damn good job of giving credit where it's due and I think we did that on the site so Calm down, everyone. At Vendetta Fighter, you guys did report it first. Congratulations, mazel Tov. I know that stuff is important, but it wasn't uh, uh, something that I did on purpose. I, I didn't. I didn't leave you out uh, for any specific reason. I know you guys do great work. So my apologies if you were offended. Um, they reported over the weekend that. It's Hector Lombard versus Rory McDonald. In fact, Dana White's doing a Twitter Q&A right now at the Twitter HQ in San Francisco, and he alluded to that. We will get to that in a second, but first, let us welcome in our last guest of the day, Mr. Rory McDonald himself. Rory, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, So as you know, this has been talked about over the weekend, first reported by a website named VendettaFighter.com. Is it in fact true that you will be fighting Hector Lombard April 25th in Montreal?
6: Um, I agreed to it. That's all I've heard. I haven't heard, I haven't got a contract or anything like that. So I agreed to, uh, fighting Hector. That's for sure.
2: And, uh, what was your reaction when we'll, we'll get to not getting a title shot in a second, but first just about Hector himself. What was your reaction when you were offered him as the replacement rep- opponent, if you want to call it that?
6: Oh, I'm excited. Uh, he's a, he's a really good fighter. And, you know, I, it kind of just makes sense. So uh, I kind of expected it, and you know I'm happy about it. Um,
2: any any um, you know uh, reservations at all about taking this fight? Uh, did you did, did you get offered the opportunity to just sit out and wait? He's a very tough guy, very dangerous opponent. Did you think twice about it at all?
6: No, no, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna sit out and wait. They didn't offer me to sit out and wait anyway. So you know I I wanted to fight and. I you know, wanted to fight a good guy like Hector, so uh, you know I'll be ready.
2: I think a lot of people would commend you for that. So now let's go back to the actual news of you not getting the title fight. You were in Vegas. They brought you out there for UFC 181, a close fight. You're doing interviews afterwards. They announced that you are getting the title shot, and then they take it away. What was the reason yeah. that you were given?
6: Uh, I didn't get one. I just They just said, you're not getting it. That's it. So it was a bit of a waste of my
2: time going there, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Unless you wanted to see a free show, but you're not the kind of guy to fly out there to Vegas from Montreal to just go check out a show, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and what was your reaction?
6: Obviously disappointed. Um, yeah, I was. I was a little bit heartbroken, but uh, it's okay. You know, it's. I, I even when I, I I first heard the news. That I was promised I was going to get the next title shot. I was skeptical. You know, you can't always believe what you hear. Um, things change so often in this sport. It's you know, you'd it, be a would be a fool if you believed everything uh, that came out. So um, I'm I'm not surprised that it happened, but I, I was pretty sad about it for a little bit.
2: When you were watching that fight and it was so close and the decision was somewhat controversial, there are still some people who think Johnny won the fight. In the back of your mind, were you thinking, "Uh oh, this this could be it. This could be the way I lose this title shot."
6: Honestly, I didn't even. I didn't. I I, I, I thought uh, Robbie won the fight pretty clearly in my my eyes. I did. I I didn't see why they would want to re uh, a third fight at all. You know, I. I figured, you know, they would definitely want me to fight Robbie after that fight. So it didn't work out. didn't work out like I thought it would.
2: And did you get the call personally, or did someone in your team get the call that you weren't getting the title shot?
6: Um, I, oh, yeah. My manager at the time uh, uh, called me and said that I wasn't getting it.
2: And uh, you didn't? You didn't say like why you didn't want to speak to them. You didn't want to try to make your case, campaign, anything like that.
6: Oh yeah, obviously I did, but nothing worked. You know, I, I was curious about everything. It's just, it's kind of just like, you no, know, you're not getting it. That's that's it. You know, it's over.
2: Um, you mentioned, you know, feeling somewhat heartbroken. How how do you, how do you deal with something like that? Like, did you did you not go to the gym for a bit? Were you kind of down on MMA? How did you react to that?
6: No, just uh, I guess you just change your mindset. You know, I'm just hungry for the next guy. I just, yeah, I don't know. I just want to hurt someone.
2: <laughs> you want to take it out on them? I'm assuming. Yeah, why not? Yeah, uh, do you do you even care about the whole title thing now? I mean, were you told, all right, you take this fight against Hector; it's a no brainer. You're getting the title shot. Have you been made? Have they made any kind of promise to you about this situation? About about fighting Hector? No, um, about what beating Hector means.
6: Like, all right. W- oh no, no, no. They haven't said anything, and I wouldn't believe them anyway if they did. Hmm. Um, so who cares? I'm right. And go out there, and keep fighting people. And, that's
2: it. Do you think it kind of looks, uh, it looks a little bad? You know, in, in another sport, you know, we have the NFL playoffs going on right now. The team, you know, w- makes it to the Super Bowl. No matter how they made it, boring or not, bad game or not, controversial game or not, they're still in the Super Bowl. But in our sport, it's a little different. You could be promised something yeah. and then have it taken away. Do you feel like this makes uh, the sport look a little bad, to have a guy go through the ranks, beat three guys in a year, do everything that was asked, and then they take it away?
6: There's definitely some issues but uh I don't have the answers for how how it could change or whatever but yeah I don't agree with a lot of things that are done but I mean I'm not in their shoes either right Right So it's hard for me to say
2: And and by the way I got to ask cuz I wasn't aware of this you said your manager at the time do you have a new management now Yeah well working on it okay. Any particular reason why you made the switch? I know you were with Lex McMahon for a long time, right?
6: Yeah, it just uh, you know, it didn't work out, at, you know, at the time. You know, we're st- we still have a good relationship and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, did did you watch Hector Lombard's last fight? He just fought a couple weekends ago.
6: Yeah, yeah, I watched it.
2: What'd you think of it?
6: Uh, it obviously wasn't his best performance, but uh, you know, I don't think I don't think people should expect every time someone is going to be at their best every single time they, they have to fight, you know, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Hector and, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be training very hard for him, taking him very seriously because he is a serious threat to the division and to me. So, you know, Obviously, his fight, you know, probably didn't go the way he wanted it, but uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, He's he's a dangerous fighter, though.
2: Uh, Would you agree that he's one of the more dangerous guys you've ever fought?
6: Yeah, dangerous than anybody else in the top five, I would say.
2: More dangerous, you said?
6: As dangerous. As dangerous. I would say more dangerous. Yeah, he's not more dangerous. I don't know. he's, he's He's a tough fighter, you know? Uh, are you happy that we'll you... find out? I guess we'll find out. Yes. You know, if he knocks my head off my shoulders, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if he doesn't, then I guess not. We'll find out. Uh,
2: are you happy that the fight is in Montreal? That you don't have to travel anywhere?
6: Uh, yeah, um, haven't really fought, you know, in my home city before, so it'll be uh, feel a bit different.
2: Gosh, we'll I mean, out. not to harp on it, but man, it would have made total sense to just have the title fight right then and there, right?
6: Yeah, totally. I don't. I don't think. Uh, from what I heard from the UFC, is they're not having the title fight till at least like June or uh, sorry, July or August or something like that.
2: So mm-hmm.
6: I I don't know. It would suck to have to wait that long.
2: Did it at least feel good? Because I know people were very upset about this. Uh, the reaction online. I know you don't spend a lot of time online, but you did see mm-hmm. some of it. Did it feel good to know that a lot of people mm-hmm. had your back here?
6: Yeah, yeah, it was quite nice. You know, people uh, were speaking up about it, and I was trying to retweet as much as possible to get the attention of the UFC. Like, you know, you guys are kind of making a mistake, maybe, <laughs> and reconsider. But you know, it didn't
2: work. And at no point I do, did you, I do appreciate it. At that no point working. did you think about calling up Dana White and saying, "Hey, man, let me give you the the short pitch as to why this makes sense."
6: Yeah, I, I sent him a couple of messages, but he just ignored me.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Via what? Text message? DM? What? Yeah, yeah, text message. Maybe you have the wrong number.
6: Yeah, who knows? Maybe.
2: Um, well, I guess what's done is done. By the way, uh, I noticed on your Twitter recently, um, there's a great video of, uh, of you uh, going to buy a suit from Fightland. And you, you tweeted to them yeah. that you never actually got the suit at the end of the day after all yeah. that tailoring. What happened?
6: Yeah, that was that was an old video. I think a couple of years sure. ago, I was training in New York, and they were like, "Hey, we really want to do this piece. You know, we'll give you the suit after this and that." And I'm like, "Okay, you know, like I was kind of busy. I had a flight to catch back to Montreal, and I was training there, <laughs> so I made it work, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, done never showed up. The suit never came. And that was the end of it. Did you pay for so it? it that's another waste of my time. Yeah. Um, Everyone's wasting your time. I know. I gotta start fucking knocking people out.
2: Yeah.
6: Uh, or um or, Go ahead. Yeah, no, I never got anything. No, I didn't pay for it or anything.
2: It was oh. just kinda of time waster. So all all smoke and mirrors, right? I mean it's Yeah.
4: yeah. Trickery. Uh
2: are you are, are we talking to you on your cell phone right now? Yeah. Now this Problem. is this is your new uh cell phone, right? The flip phone.
6: I know the flip phone. Yeah, Is that, I still have it.
2: You know, we can hear it's. It's actually it's quite riveting. We can hear your breath very loud. It's vivid.
6: Sorry, <laughs> I'll my girlfriend does the same thing. I breathe heavy into the into the phone. I'll, I'll keep it away.
2: No, Bye. I like it. It it makes me
6: <laughs> it makes
2: me think that you're gonna go out there and like you know uh you know you're very tense right now. I like it. It it adds to the moment. Um, but I'm wondering during yeah, what, what,
6: the pot maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 how old is this phone? Like, well, when do you think it was made? Um, I have no idea. I think I bought it at a store. Oh, okay. Because I, I thought they don't make flip phones anymore. They made this one. It was in a box and everything. Oh. Now, yeah. why why did you feel the need to get rid of uh, the smartphone? I'm fascinated by this.
6: Uh, I spent too much time, like uh, just like looking at the screen and like. I don't know. Just anytime I was bored, if I was at dinner with people, you know, I'd be looking at my phone for whatever reason. No, it's. I felt like I was chained to my smartphone. Now I don't feel that. I feel like I just talk to people when I need to talk to people, and I'm just living my life. You know, whoever's in front of me, my my attention's on that, I'm not. Not my phone.
2: So do you feel somewhat it, liberated?
6: It is, it, is, it, is, it is nice having the internet all, everywhere you go. Yeah. For sure. The access to information, you know, having maps and stuff like that in your new city. You know, having your email, but, I mean, kind of a nice change for a bit.
2: You feel liberated?
6: I guess a little bit, you know, just little more freedom.
2: Honestly, though, was there ever a moment where you were like, man, I wish I had Google Maps right now? This was kind of a mistake.
6: There's been a couple of days where it's just like, <laughs> fuck, man. Why did I do this, you know? Being I mean, at, like, the airport and, like, like, I was coming home from the airport. It was a crazy day there. It was packed. Flights were getting canceled. My flight was getting canceled. It was just, I needed an iPhone <laughs> in that situation, and, yeah, I had to deal with that.
2: But you didn't break. You haven't gone back, and you have no plans of I going back. I
6: not uh, Not at the moment, no. I'm just staying
2: strong. And, by the way, what was the what was the breaking point? Why did you decide enough is enough?
6: It was right before I went to Metamoris
2: in L.A. Okay. Um,
6: Yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, I was going to be traveling for a long time, and if I didn't do it right there, then I would just, I would never do it. So I just had to just, like, jump on it and get it done.
2: Is this one of those phones where you have to press the the number three times to get the letter you want to text? Yeah. That is awesome.
6: Miserably slow.
2: <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, by the way, speaking of metamorphs, we spoke to you before that, but uh, did you enjoy the experience? And would you like to do it again?
6: Yeah, yeah, I would do it again. It was pretty cool.
2: Uh, did you have a chance to travel around? You said you were interested in, tra- in training, maybe with Rhonda's team. Did you did you do that after the match?
6: I I plan on it, like going all the gyms of L.A. Sleeping. I was so tired from. I pretty much started training again right after the Safadine fight for the Metamoris, and I just pretty much slept for like a week, <laughs> and then I had to go to the next place. I think I was going to Vegas, so I didn't really get a chance to train. I just needed to recover.
2: Another waste of time, right?
6: Yeah, I guess so. I I think if I trained, I probably would have got sick or something.
2: Okay, I needed the rest. Uh, so now it's January 12th. Let's assume the fight does, in fact, take place April 25th. When do you start training camp, or do you not believe in this whole training camp thing? Are, are you ready training right now for Hector Lombard?
6: Yeah, I'm training. Uh, I just training over the holidays, too. I'm always training. But uh, I'll I'll step, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll increase the intensity uh, and the workload and stuff like that and, you know, a couple months away from the fight or something.
2: So what's the message now? Uh don't cry for Roy McDonald, you'll be okay. You're going to make an example out of Hector. What, what do we tell the people about this whole situation? Um I don't know. Just you know, just keep
6: watching. You're pissed. I have nothing to th- I have nothing to say. I don't know what to say. I just you know, I'm just going to keep fighting, you know. Whatever. If there's a if there's a belt there afterwards, or there's not, I'm still gonna go out there and fuck someone up. Has
2: has your change? Has your feelings on all of this changed? I mean, was there a point where you were obsessing about the belt, and now after this, after having it taken away, you're just like, screw it. I'm just gonna go out there and do what I have to do, and that's it.
6: Yeah, a little bit. You know, it's it makes me a little bit bitter about the situation, probably. Probably make me think about it in a little bit of a negative light, but you know, I'm a little bit pissed off, and that's how I'm dealing with it. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you will use that energy leading up to the fight? Like you won't, you won't lose that feeling even before the fight.
6: I don't know. We'll see.
2: I mean, time, time heals. So. Right. We'll see. But right now, as I speak to you, you're still pissed off. Accurate?
6: Yeah. Yeah. I'm motivated. You know. So, yeah, I'm hungry.
2: Well, that is great to hear. Uh, Rory, I appreciate the time. I know it's not the best of times, but uh, that's, that's a fun fight in Montreal. Looking forward to it very much. And uh, hopefully if, if you get through, Hector, then you will get what you deserve. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. All the best.
6: Okay, buddy. Talk to you later.
2: All right, there he is, Rory McDonald stopping by. Great stuff from him. Uh, very intense. You expect nothing less from the guy. Um, you, you can't help but feel for him, you know, look, if you're Johnny Hendricks, you're going to take the fight. If you're Rory McDonald, you're going to be pretty pissed off. It was made as official as possible, right? But you got to commend uh, a kid who went out there and defeated Damian Maya, Tyron Woodley, Tarek Safadine in one calendar year after slipping against Robbie Lawler and now he just says, screw it. Give me Hector Lombard. Of all people, Hector Lombard, who's undefeated at 170, who's one of the more terrifying fighters in the UFC, who a lot of people have said no to. Yeah, sure, give me Hector Lombard in Montreal. No problem. I mean, we don't have to go through the, the examples, but I think there would be a lot of people out there who would just say, look, I'm going to wait. That's cool. I'll wait. Let the guys fight. But the problem is, if they're fighting in around, you know, June, July... They're certainly not fighting before April, right? So it's at least 10 months, at least. Tough for a kid. You know, Roy McDonald, obviously not in his 30s. He is uh, 25 years old. You're going to sit out in the prime of your career. You're healthy. Go out there, make money, keep it going. Of course, you're, you're confident in your abilities can't stand on the sidelines. So it's a a tough call, but Roy should be commended for taking the fight when I think there are a few people out there that wouldn't take the fight. You can't really blame those people, too. If you've been working your entire career for that title shot, you can't blame them. But I think at 25 years old, if you have the utmost confidence in yourself, you keep going. That's a great fight for Montreal. Uh, So speaking of that Dana White Twitter... Where is
0: it? New York, Rick, are you there? I'm here. Twitter, what did he say? He said... Uh, he said Conor McGregor could possibly be uh, fighting in a stadium soon.
2: Yes, what did he say? He said Croke Park or Vegas, if he yep. wins, correct? That's
0: correct. So there you have it. What else did we miss from this uh, mm. impromptu Dana White Q&A? I'm trying to think. There wasn't much more interesting stuff. Um, That's it? What's, actually, up with, what's up with all the
2: headroom above you? There's all the space. Tilt that camera down. Let's see it. You can't move it? It's weird. No? More? Maybe sit up. There you go. I feel like it's not actually moving. It's just moving down and then going back up.
0: Um, It will require hands other than mine. Maybe maybe just just sit up. Sit up. I am sitting up. You're sitting as high as you can. I am. Put your neck up. Well, that there now, you go. Yeah, but I cannot stay like this. But it looks better. Not you, happening. You have to do it. Nope. Jesus. I might even pull the chair down a little bit. No. I, I will cut you right out of the <laughs> show.
2: <clears throat> yeah, um, so Dana White t- Q&A. Tell
0: yeah, me. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't much of anything else. I mean, um, he touched upon the, the Rory McDonald fight. He said, you know, why wouldn't people want to see, uh, let's see, exa- I don't want to misquote him. Let's see exactly what Dana White said. <clears throat> I thought you were going to pick
2: out the highlights. There weren't many. Well, I see some right now. So then uh, enlighten us. Well, you you had the highlights. That was your job. Hit it. Uh, Cyborg and Rhonda working on it, but I don't think it will be a catch weight, but anything is possible. That's that's interesting. You don't think that's interesting?
0: Sure. Why didn't you mention it? Wasn't uh, I wasn't glued to it. What do you mean? <laughs> you just said it was interesting. I wasn't glued to the uh, the Twitter feed.
2: Oh, okay. I guess I misunderstood when you said that you were picking out the highlights. May have. Okay. Let's go back. Um, you said Dana's doing a Twitter Q&A. You sent me a link. And then I said, monitor the Dana tweet-a-thon and let me know. I'll come to you for the highlights. What did wrote, I say? Come on, bro. I'm ahead of you. Which would lead me to believe that you are doing that.
0: Yeah, that was from the previous thing where I sent you the Dana tweet, Q&A tweet before you asked for it.
2: Okay. In any event, nothing else? All these tweets I see. Can't read them right now. I guess we'll never know.
0: You know you'll have to just go see it, people. Okay. What else? Do we have questions? Didn't get shafted. He's fighting Hector Lombard. This is Rory McDonald. And do you really not want to see Lawler versus Hendricks again?
2: That was in response to someone probably complaining about the Rory fight.
0: Yep. All
2: right. So there you have it. Looks like it is happening. It's happening. April 25th, Montreal. Though he didn't necessarily say that, but that seems to be the case
0: as first reported by Vendetta Fighter. Okay. What are the questions? Uh, John Jones is a superstar with the recent public woes of drug failure and the epic lead-up to 182 plus the victory. Jones' name has never been bigger in the press. When he overcomes these problems of late, will Jones finally become the star everyone has expected? There's no bad press after all. Isn't he more popular uh, now than ever? Uh, And will this bump in the road, no pun meant, honestly, uh, vault him into stardom? Well, before I get into
2: that, uh, a quick reminder that in around 55 minutes... The Nevada Athletic Commission will be meeting up for their monthly hearing. We will have coverage of that. Um, John Jones isn't getting punished. There's there's nothing they can really do, but because it, it happened out of competition, but they will be talking about out of competition drug testing, and uh, I'm assuming the John Jones case will be brought up. So stay tuned for that. Now, as far as John Jones is concerned, I feel like in the short term, If he's able to come back from this, look, the guy had a DUI, and he had a DUI with two women in his car. That's a lot worse than this, in my opinion. Um, Also very dangerous and foolish to drive under the influence. Uh, He has been able to rebound from that. Now, I still believe that John Jones isn't as popular and famous as he should be, and maybe these are the reasons why. Uh, I, I think in the short term, people now feel a lot more passionately about the guy. They either really, really hate him or like him. They're not indifferent. Now they think, look, of course, he's fake. That's why he's doing this stuff. Um, he's he's a cheater. Who knows what else he was doing? He used the illegal drugs. All this stuff. People feel very strongly about John Jones, and that leads to more pay-per-views, more tickets sold. So in the short term, it adds to this whole you know bad guy persona. Now, how serious is this problem? Is it going to cut off his greatness? That's the bigger issue. He's so young that, for now, he can get away with not taking Gustafson seriously. Now he can get away with, you know, doing some stuff behind the scenes. But once he hits 30, once he starts to really, you know, put some miles on his body, it's going to catch up to him. It catches up to all of them. Will he cut off his greatness or will he see the light and and clean up his act? good that he has guys like Brandon Gibson and Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn, guys who are really respected in the sport. You know, In particular, I, Brandon, I can't say enough good things about that guy. Just truly a genuinely great person. Has people like that in his corner, that's very important. Where does he go from here? Only time will tell. But in the short term, his next fight, especially if, it, if it's against Gustafson, I think will will do very well. And all indications seem to be that the Cormier fight did very well. Second highest rated, Prelims in the history of Fox Sports One. Brief history, but a year and a half. Uh, Highest rated post fight show in the history of Fox Sports One. And Dana White himself said that it was trending higher than 750,000 pay per views. So clearly people are interested in this man. And I think now it just puts him under uh, a a bigger spotlight, more scrutiny, but that leads to more money right now. So we'll see how he rebounds. But I think in the short term, it's, uh, I hate to call it a positive, but. It only increases his his stardom. Whether that's good or bad, that's up to interpretation.
0: I I agree with everything you said, and I disagree with. There's no such thing as bad press. I think that that's well. That's just silly. Uh, that's that's false. But um, in this case, I do agree with you that it's just you know it'll raise his profile as as dirty as that may seem. Uh, next question: Which would you rather see, Rumble Johnson beating Gustafson and fighting Jon Jones for the first time, or Gustafson beating Rumble and having that rematch with Jon Jones?
2: I mean, I could see the positives to both. Uh, it's fun to see him against a fresh matchup. It's also fun to see him against Gustafson again because that fight, one of my favorites of all time. Um, it was so much fun. It was, it was somewhat surprising to watch. It had ups and downs. It was a true roller coaster ride. For a moment, it seemed like Alexander Gustafson was going to beat him, and now you hear, obviously, and I don't think they're making excuses, but. That wasn't the best John Jones, so you kind of wonder how he would fight Gustafson, you know, if he was at 100%. If he did take him seriously, now he knows how difficult, uh, you know, of an opponent he would be. I think it would probably do better numbers for the UFC if it was Gustafson. They have the rematch that they can play up. There's some bad blood there, um, but you know, I would I would be excited about either fight. I, I see I see interest in both. Um, I just think from a promotional standpoint it would probably do better business if it was Gustafsson. He's a bigger star as well, especially in Europe.
0: Yeah. I I don't know which I'd rather see. I mean, both are going to be fantastic. I do think John would beat Gustafsson more soundly this time. And I do think he would beat Rumble as well. Although I've had a few people who I know have, have been telling me that Rumble is going to be the guy. So maybe that's the one are these biased people or are these no not biased people predicting it, it, surpri- it
2: surprised me quite a bit um who are these people like people in the know or just fans
0: i'm not gonna throw it out there in case they're wrong i don't want them to no no but are something. these people who, whose no, opinion? no people, people whose opinion matter oh wow how about uh, that so i mean we'll see but uh
2: now we're not talking about his personal photographer ryan loco right no okay because that would be a biased opinion
0: Yes. That's why I said no when you asked. Okay. Just want to make sure. Um, no. Other people who uh, who had surprised me quite a bit. In fact, our very own Chuck Mendenhall was there for one of these occasions. So you can ask him about that. He made a prediction that, that Rumble was going to be the guy? No. He was there. He was witness to it. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, next question. Different punishments for different folks. Question for Ariel, how can the UFC remain fair in treating its money stars like Jones and their use of major narcotics versus letting guys go for bad tweets or pot metabolites hanging around in their system until fight time? It sends a pretty bad message out of competition aside, not to mention a huge no-no in the UFC fighter's code of conduct. I wonder how Dana would react if Conor got popped for drugs versus an undercard guy or gal.
2: Look, it's, it's a very good question, and it's not the first time it has come up with regards to John Jones. He had a DUI. You know, uh, unfortunately, I'm not the one who makes those decisions. Ultimately, that's the UFC's decision. And, and, and these are all va- very valid questions because there is a code of conduct. And it's pretty clear that, you know, these are things that are violations of the code of conduct. So I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, I think in every walk of life, favorites are are, are, are played. And, uh, you know, if, if you're higher on the totem pole, you're going to get certain things that other people don't get. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think you can have much of an issue with Nevada other than the fact that they made the test. I mean, once the test was done and it was put out there, uh, they're, they're not punishing him. They can't do anything. They don't have the jurisdiction to do it, but it's very fair to say, well, why didn't the UFC do anything? Why didn't the UFC tell him beforehand? Um, of course there was money to be made and you could say, look, they, they helped him get into rehab, but they did so after the fight, after the money was made. So... I don't know I mean there, there's no answer here I' can't, these aren't questions that I can answer you you have you have a great point there 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 are certain cases now here's the thing the guys who have gone you know in trouble for for pot or even cut most of the guys who have gone in trouble for pot or cut for pot it was their it was their second or third offense but again that was in competition so it's not the same as the John Jones situation but if you get busted. With cocaine in your system, perhaps they're letting it slide because he wasn't supposed to be tested for it. Perhaps they spoke to him, he cleared the air, something. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? UFC not talking all that much about it. But uh, these are very valid points. And I I can't sit here and justify their reason for it because I'm not the one who decided it. But all I'll say is, yeah, these are things that I thought
0: about as well. Is there a walk of life where this isn't the case, though? Yeah. No, I mean, that's... that's your earners are going to be the ones you want to keep around, and you know, I don't think that the UFC is is uh, is isolated in this in this uh, in this circumstance. If somebody in you know an organization, if the boss or you know the second or a third in command of an organization uh, did something untort, uh, they would probably be. You know, kept around, and if somebody at the very bottom did something, they'd probably be like, "Oh, there's there's all kinds of uh, this this happens every day in life outside of the UFC and outside of MMA and outside of fighting in general." Um, so I don't know why we, I think we know the answer to this question, is what I'm saying. People ask this question, yes, yes. but it's a statement. The yeah. statement is, "I don't like that the UFC treats John Jones differently than it treats Fighter X on the undercard." Well, tough tough luck that's just how the w- the world and every other organization is yeah that is well
2: said um and also in this day and age could you imagine UFC cuts John Jones Bellator pick him up yesterday Bellator would drive out the Viacom truck say here's a blank check <laughs> you pick what you get to what you get to get paid you know like i mean come on they would never do it that's just the
0: facts yeah, i mean that would be what a would a windfall that would be if they just, oh, John, you know, John Jones popped for some recreational drugs, so now uh, we've got the best fighter in the world on our, uh, on our promotion. And by the way,
2: I want to make it very clear. I know at the beginning of the MMA Beat, you know, I asked Luke a question about this whole situation, and I said it was a mistake. I believe that doing coke is a mistake. I, I, believe, I don't believe in these drugs. I don't believe, and I don't want to get too much into this, but I am not glossing over the fact that John Jones did cocaine. Uh, I don't do any of that. I've never done it. And I don't believe in it. And I don't think that someone, you know, especially in his position, should risk their life. You know, you can die from cocaine. I know that's putting it in the most simplest form possible, but it's not good for you. That is a fact. So, you know, you can sit here and debate marijuana and its use and all that stuff, but I'm not glossing over it. The facts are, though, that he was tested for something that he shouldn't have been tested for. And then it was made public. So, I think if I'm John Jones, I have a bit of an issue with all that. It'll be interesting to see what he does with it. But make no mistake about it, I am not in support of any of this. In, out of competition, retired or not, it's not good for you. And I'd rather people
0: didn't do it if you're asking my personal opinion on it. Yeah. I was just going to say that we're going to talk, somebody asked specifically about that later. So, maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit in a minute. Uh, actually, I think it's this question. All right. Ariel, any talk uh, from Malky about pursuing litigation for the released drug tests that weren't even supposed to be taken to begin with? Yes. How does it sit with you as a media member that this kind of thing wasn't released until after several weeks, in fact, the event? So those are two separate thoughts. Start with um, whether it's Malky or anybody. Uh, how do you feel about the fact that these tests weren't supposed to be taken? And you know, do you know if John Jones's camp is is pursuing anything in that regard?
2: They're not talking on the record right now they have spoke to me off the record so i can't you know divulge that information but nothing would surprise me at this point i think all the cards are on the table if you get what i'm saying um
0: how do you feel about it
2: yeah you know i i I feel a little weird about it it's strange the whole chain of events is a little strange um you know i kind of feel like even if i'm daniel cormier i i would like to know these things
0: um it's a
2: very weird one because
0: not, not not the let's we'll go to that in a second, but how do you feel about the the test being taken that wasn't supposed to be taken before we go to the actual That's, timeline of events? Yeah, I have a
2: problem with that. I, I take issue with that because if someone comes to you and says, We are here to test you for PEDs, all the stuff, steroids, HDH, EP, all that stuff, all right, fine. Now, the whole point of a random test is you're not supposed to know when it's happening. But I think that you should at least be know you know, be told, you know, what you're being tested for. And then for it to come out after the fight, and perhaps they did him a service by 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 doing that. I mean, they helped him out on that front because it wasn't distraction, but I mean I feel like he should have been notified. And how about the fact that it went through the UFC? Yeah. And typically, you know, what I was told was it was the holidays, and you know, it was hard to get in touch with people. I mean, I have a hard time believing that as well. It's not the holidays when you're getting ready for a fight. John Jones didn't go to, <laughs> to Disneyland with his family. I feel like it would be pretty easy to contact him and let him know what's up. And you know, perhaps they contact his team, and uh, you know, they say, all right, well, we're going to deal with this. But you know, he was tested for something he shouldn't have been tested for. So you know, we're going to fight this as far as it being made public, as far as the ramifications, all that stuff. But it sounds like it was, you know, it was made public shortly after his team was informed and he wasn't given a lot of time to fight it. So there are a lot of issues with that. And I don't think we're going to see the end of this story. I, I don't think it's going to stop, you know, now as it has, a, a, you know, it's kind of fizzled as far as the media is concerned. I think it's going to ramp up and it might ramp up, you know, in just a few minutes at that hearing. But yeah. I have a I have a, I have a problem with the timeline. I have a problem with him being tested for something he shouldn't have been tested for, and even the whole thing. I mean, look, I give I give Nevada a lot of credit for being so open with the media and answering our phone calls and explaining to us and giving us the information that we're asking. But the whole thing about his testosterone, and then for 24 hours people are going nuts about his testosterone, and then we call him up, and they say, yeah, we did the carbon isotope ratio test, which determines whether or not there's any synthetic testosterone in someone's system. Why not just say that at the beginning to stop all the speculation? So I give Nevada a lot of credit. They are the leaders as far as commissions are concerned, and and, and everyone looks to them, good or bad. They're trying really hard to get things right. And along the way, they're going to stumble. That's fine. But when you have people's livelihoods in your hands and their reputation, you want to see them be a little more bundled up. And, and hopefully they're learning from all these lessons. The Vitor thing, you know, what happened here, Chael, Vanderlei. A lot has happened to this fairly new commission. It's fairly a, a new regime. Um, so you want to see them learn from all their, you know, their their experiences. But, yes, to answer all these questions, I do have an issue with it.
0: Yeah, you got it. I mean. But I also,
2: by the way, I have an issue with John Jones
0: doing cocaine. Let's not. Well, erase that. But yes, I think that part I think that part goes without saying. Nobody is is pro John Jones doing cocaine. The the problem is whether we should police these guys lives or not. And I also have a problem with the whole
2: in competition out of competition thing. I feel like if you are a month out of a fight in the midst of training camp, working hard, you're in shape.
0: That feels like in competition to me. Am I crazy? Well, I think the differentiation only really matters in this case. If John Jones popped for steroids, then he still can't fight, correct? Yes, he would be punished. Yeah, so it's recreational drugs. I think it only matters for recreational drugs. yes, and in that case, I don't give a sh- uh, a, a poop. I mean, why not? Do I care if John Jones is doing drugs? You're saying? In competition. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to
2: say that the window for in competition should be longer. I and they're going to talk about that later. But I here's really, the thing. I really Co- don't. By the way, if I was sitting here right now doing coke, I would get in trouble, right? Sure, of course. It's illegal. Shouldn't there be something said for that? Is it my place to do I mean, I don't know. These are questions. I'm not saying yes or no. But I, I, I can't just gloss over the fact that
0: at the end of the day, cocaine is not Advil. You know what I mean? I no, I get that. And and I understand the idea of not wanting somebody to be on drugs when they're doing their job or preparing for the job or whatever the case may be. But I think that the people who police that should be the people who they're doing the job for, which is the UFC. In this case. Mm-hmm. I think they're the ones who should have who have the stake in John Jones and should care. Me? I honestly don't care if it doesn't enhance his performance, and I don't think this does. Um, yeah, I, it doesn't bother me. Let yeah. him do whatever he wants to do. That said, I, I would hope and plead that he doesn't do drugs. But you know, that's 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 taking a, a you know a moral stance. And and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, as it applies to fighting, doesn't bother me one bit. Doesn't bother me if he did it the night before. Doesn't bother me if he does it the night after. Um, now the UFC, they should have a problem. Um, but us, media, whoever else, fans—I don't think it's really our place. I know what someone's going to say when they see that. Like, oh,
2: look at you, a high and mighty. Look at you looking down on someone. It's not your place. It's not your business. But that's 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 why I'm here. I don't believe in anything that impairs your judgment. That makes you high. I don't. I don't like it. I don't. I don't want anything to do yeah. with it. I don't want anyone that I know to have anything to do with it. So that's why. Maybe my stance on it is a little more harsh than others, but it's not like I'm policing him. I would just rather the the star of my, orga- my organization, if I'm the UFC, to not be doing it.
0: Yep. Uh, next question. If Dennis Seaver beats McGregor... Oh, wait. There was a second part. Uh, when are we getting more Ricks picks? What do you feel is Conor McGregor's ceiling right now as far as betting styles? Don't know on Ricks picks. Hopefully, I'll be able to think of something soon. McGregor ceiling, limitless. We'll have to see you know, how he does against... Uh, somebody who challenges his style, but what does that mean? Betting styles. I think he's asking, what's his be- what's his betting ceiling? Can he be like you know this this kind of steady favorite, like a John Jones, where he's a favorite against everybody? Oh, okay, um, and then slash his style. Like, what's the ceiling on his potential? I don't think there is a ceiling. I think you, you know the way this guy. Learns and adapts to, to fighting, where he you know learns from different styles and takes whatever is good and gets rid of whatever is bad, very Bruce Lee like. Um, I think he'll. Uh, I think his his potential is limitless. But we'll have to see people from different um, backgrounds test him. I'm and assuming I'm sure he wouldn't
2: be the favorite against Jose Aldo. I would not
0: think so. Right. no. I
2: wonder uh, if he was the favorite against Marcus Brimage.
0: He was. He was. Oh okay. yeah. Uh next question, if Dennis Seaver beats McGregor, where would you put it in terms of biggest upsets? Would it be bigger than when Sarah beat GSP?
2: Hm no, it would not be and by not, the way, not even close well, yeah, what are the odds
0: i don't think it's I think it's pretty gosh you know, McGregor I'm is pretty good minus nine fifty plus eight thirty nine um yeah, but it should be stated that you know these lines are in as I said, these lines are influenced by more than just fight analysis. The, the the entire narrative is, oh, how, you know, how about Dennis Seaver? How about nobody's talking about him because he really doesn't have a chance in this. So that influences it as well. People people hear that and they say, why would I bet on this guy mm-hmm. who who the media has to campaign for uh, even mentioning? Who, you know, it's a story that he's not being mentioned uh, is probably not somebody you want to place your money on. Um I think mathematically this would be a bigger upset than GSP. Sarah. No, but as far as the history of the sport, I mean, it's an upset because of how good he's
2: looked and how much stock there is in him, and potentially what's at stake if he, you know, wins this fight. And and the answer and is no. The magnitude, but no, you can't compare it to a big title fight. GSP looking so good as champion at the time. Um, yeah,
0: it's it's not quite there. Conor McGregor is not GSP, and this is not Sarah GSP. And. I don't even know it's not even dillishabural. It's also it, not. Yep. It,
2: it, it will it's it's aftermath will be felt and it will reach a hell of a lot more people because of how big of a deal he is, but resume-wise, I mean Dennis Siever is there's no joke, he's a veteran, he's had some big wins, he's been around the block a number of times. It would not it would not even be top 3, I think.
0: No, if you consider all all the circumstances, everything around it, it's not. It's he not comes a huge out there upset. and knocks
2: him out in a minute. Given everything that's going into this fight, I mean, it would be shocking. Make no mistake is it, about though?
0: it. I mean, here is the thing: it would just be what shocking sho- because
2: the way it's been promoted. The and- way
0: that fight would shock me is if Dennis Seaver came out and you know took a a tough three round decision where he outpointed Conor McGregor on his feet and just completely kicked his butt from pillar to post uh but didn't knock him out that would shock me because you would think that conor mcgregor would be able to win that kind of war of attrition um or you know dennis Seaver might catch like a spinning uh a, a spinning kick to the to the gut or something like that um would i be shocked if, if you know dennis Seaver came and knocked him out not really um, people get caught all the time it's, it's not that shocking would I be shocked if Conor McGregor won a three-round decision rather than knocking Dennis Seaver out not really um, I could even see a, a situation where Siever really really focuses on takedowns whether he's successful or not and that's an underrated part of Seaver's game is he likes to mix it up on the feet but he does like to mix in those takedowns yeah if he came out and had a takedown oriented game plan that wouldn't shock me either uh, trying to neutralize McGregor striking, um, I don't think I think McGregor's takedown defense is is pretty good, um, so I don't I don't see it being successful. But this is not a, a fight where you can't see a possible outcome where Dennis Siever wins. I don't think that's I don't think that's accurate. Um, that said, certainly I I favor McGregor, but I don't think this is. I mean, this isn't even in the, in the territory. This isn't even in the realm of Sarah GSP or you know. Dillashaw brawl, where there were people who were picking Dillashaw, but a lot of them were, you know, riding the, the 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 feeling of picking that underdog that really had no chance, and they 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 you know had their last dollar on it. But there there were very few who were coming out and proclaiming that Dillashaw was the next uh, bantamweight champion. Yeah. Um. I don't see it as being the same. And as I said, it wouldn't not not many outcomes in this fight would shock me. So next. As we are on the cusp of the McGregor era, I mean, this says it all, right? This is why he's a minus 1,200 favorite. With Dana publicly giving him the title shot if he wins in Boston, will you do a walk-and-talk style interview <laughs> with Conor, as you did in Dublin? Or has his recent comments about doing interviews during weight cutting put you off? Do you plan these well in advance, wow. or do you just go with the flow on the day? I think you do an amazing job each time, and I feel you try and do something different in New Wow. Uh,
2: a real insider question. Um... So I guess the question is, all right, if he, gets, if he wins, right? If he wins. I don't know. That's, that's too far in advance. I don't know what's happening tomorrow. Now, I do think about these things. And, of course, we didn't just show up in, in, in Dublin and say, hey, we'd like to do this with you. We had to go through the UFC, had to go through his team. I mean, everyone said okay, including Conor. Um, I have no problem with him saying what he said. I don't really think he meant it in a in a mean way. I mean, yeah, the guy's cutting weight for a big fight. He'd probably rather do a, a lot of other things rather than talk to me about his whole, you know, his whole life and his upbringing and all this stuff. But I think deep down he understands that it's part of the game. Would he rather do it on Monday as opposed to Thursday before the fight? Sure, but can't just go out there, you know, six days before. It what about Boston? Uh, what would, would, would I do it in Boston with him, or am I doing it in Boston with him? Are you? Would you? Um, You know, no comment. You know I don't like to talk about these things beforehand. Mm. Um, But it's not in the works right now. I mean, you can't do them all the time. You have to pick your spots. If you do it all the time, there's not much to talk about. Um, Of course, I could go three hours with Conor McGregor if I want, but you have to be smart about these things. Um, And uh, as far as trying to do things differently and unique, yeah, you know, I always try. Sometimes there's not a lot of time or you don't got the right personalities involved. Um, but yeah, I always think, and I, I, you know, I, I I put so much pressure on myself to try to bring something different to the table every time. It's sometimes, uh, it's very nerve wracking because you want to deliver and I'm my worst critic and all that stuff. But I try, I try my best and I appreciate you noticing and saying those nice things. So who knows what happens? He has to win the fight and we'll see, uh, where we go from there. But, uh, right now, No real big thing with him planned for Boston other than the the two media days and everything afterwards.
0: Our next question, Cerrone coming in on short notice. Benson holds two wins over Donald Cerrone, and if he beats him again, does that kill off Cerrone as a contender, or is it just a blip as it is a short-notice fight? Also, what does Benson have to gain with this fight, with a win, as he won't get a matchup with Pettis anytime soon?
2: Well, he has to keep fighting, obviously. I mean, he's not just going to sit on the sidelines and hope and pray that Pettis loses. So he has to keep fighting. Of course, he was supposed to fight Eddie Alvarez. I love that fight. I love this fight as well. This was announced shortly after our show last week. Don Cerrone stepping up two days after his win over Miles Jury, taking the fight on less than two weeks' notice. Pretty amazing stuff. And, of course, he has uh, two losses to Benson Henderson. The first loss, both of them were in WC, but the first one was for the interim title, and it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. It was so much fun back and forth. They were a lot younger and that's really where the Bendo name came from because Cerrone had him in some submissions and he was just, I mean, the way he was contorting his body was just absolutely unbelievable and it looked like Gumby out there. Um, so look, for for Cerrone, the guy just wants some money. He wants to make money. He wants to be as active as possible. It's a chance for him to avenge uh, a loss. If he loses, look, he, he already has losses to uh, Anthony Pettis. So it's not... It's not that huge of a deal he's He's the kind of guy who just likes to fight. I think for him, just being active and making money means a lot more than being in the title picture. He's not going to sit out, he's not going to wait for the shot so it's it's not something that honestly, how many more times can he tell us he doesn't overthink these things for Benson, he just has to keep winning. remember he's coming off a loss um, what, what he lost better a fight yeah he has to he has to avenge you know he has to get back on track. he's already beaten this guy twice confidence, right? He doesn't have to really think about him all that much. He's fought him twice. He's prepared for him twice. Um,
0: in a way, it's, you know, maybe even, you know, a gift. It's a gift. If, I'm, if, if I go to Benson Henderson and say, hey, guess what? Your next fight, it's going to be a, a high-profile fight against this guy you beat twice, and he's on the best winning streak of his career, and yeah. it'll really be great to get you back on track. What do you think? Oh, no, nah, I don't like it. Of course, it's the best possible outcome for him. Eddie Alvarez is much more of an unknown right. and, and a great fighter and who would have had a full camp to prepare for him. This is the best-case scenario. I can't think of a better case for Benson. Now, for Cerrone, if his goal is to get a title shot, this is probably not the best move. But, as we know, that's well, not really his goal. Yeah, but if he wins, then it's brilliant. He's even more popular. Yeah, but you probably don't want to go against a guy who beat you twice if that's, if that's your ambition. You probably want to avoid him and no, take a saying, full camp. But in hindsight, if he wins, he looks like a gazillion bucks. <laughs> He's gonna look fantastic. He looks like um, a genius,
2: and he'll probably f- want to fight. I don't know about genius because
0: I don't think the planning part of it was really, you know, considered. Oh, He loves
2: this. He loves this. This um, is better than a three-month camp. <laughs> It's Come on! Just
0: insane. He's just—he's—he's he's the perfect guy for this. Nobody is like this guy. Yeah, he's great. Nobody is like this
2: and guy. And it, it—it all plays, you know, into the whole cowboy thing, and the fans love him. I mean, he saves the day. And for Benson, it's a high-profile fight card. You're fighting on the co-main event of a, a big show that's almost sold out. Conor McGregor, all that stuff. I mean, it's a win-win for everyone involved, in my opinion. Fortunately for Eddie, and by the way, Eddie was coming in somewhat of a, as a desperate fighter, right? I mean, he's coming off a loss in his debut. He needs a win here. Um, very different circumstances. So sucks for Eddie. Hopefully he's back. By the way, speaking of Eddie, I don't know if this comes up, but I'd love to see him fight Gilbert Melendez. Now we have a situation. They're both coming off losses. It's a fight that's been talked about for quite some time. I'd love to see that happen.
0: Uh, Our next question. Apparently Anderson gets a title shot if he wins. Does Diaz also get one if he wins? Let's be honest. After Hendricks, he's the only guy to promote as the next contender, as the next contender, or uh, George St. Pierre, should he make a comeback? After these two guys, you really have nobody. Only nobody's like Rory McDonald, Uh, who you like, but I guess the rest of the MMA world would skip that title fight.
2: Wow, look at that. Um, Well, I'll say this about the Anderson thing. I don't feel like that fight, Anderson versus Nick, I don't feel like that fight needed this stipulation going into it. It doesn't make me more interested in the fight. It doesn't raise the stakes, in my opinion, really. I mean, that fight was just so much fun on its own. They're coming back after these long layoffs, Nick hasn't fought in two years, Anderson coming off the injury. I was cool with that fight just being on its own. And then I loved the idea of potentially Anderson fighting GSP if he won and welcoming him back after GSP, you know, left the sport. They're both without belts. Now's the time to make some fun fights. So I was a little surprised, or nah, I don't say I was surprised, but I was like, eh, I don't really feel like this needs to be said. And then when you consider the fact that you have Jacare and Rockhold and Yoel Romero doing so well who've been active throughout this stretch, I feel like to a degree it sort of devalues their fights and it may be a little disheartening to them. I'd like to see those guys get title shots as well. We've seen two Weidman-Silva fights. Um, I know you're asking about Nick Diaz, but I'm just kind of clearing up my feelings on the the Anderson thing. Of course, Anderson versus Chris. Three would uh, do a lot of, you know, they make a lot of money for the UFC. A lot of people will be into it. Their last fight, the second one, at UFC 168, got over a million pay-per-view buys. So you have to look at that. You can't ignore that. But from a pure sport standpoint, and it's probably why I don't run the UFC. I think about things in that way. Um, I don't feel like it needs to be done. I'd like to see Anderson just take some fun fights at this point in his career. So if Nick wins, it changes things a little bit because he's beating Anderson Silva. He hasn't had that title shot at 185. That would be a huge win, arguably the biggest of his career. But still, you have to feel for guys like Rockhold, Jacare, and Romero who are right there fighting at 185 and moving up the ranks. And also with Nick, I kind of feel like I want to see some fun fights for him too and more so at 170 than 185. Um, I know Dana said that he would be interested in seeing Robbie versus Nick too. That, to me, is a lot more interesting than Chris Wyman versus Nick Diaz, especially from a Styles uh, perspective. So I don't even want to talk about title shot going into this fight. I'll say two Let's things.
0: just enjoy Anderson versus Nick Diaz for what it is i agree with you two things one what do promised title shots really mean anymore
2: oh and on top of all that yes i mean Just we're talking about rory, rory mcdonald in yeah. the
0: question sure yes what do title shots actually mean at this point no it they mean next to nothing um cheetah didn't Machida, start the with King rory yeah shots. it didn't start with rory uh so i don't think this actually means anything now that said i'm gonna put on my tinfoil hat here we go there it Cutting is putting it on is it possible that all of this, the the Anderson Silva title shot talk, and spe- you know, specifically not mentioning Nick Diaz, is if Nick is is established because if Nick Diaz wins, it creates a very funny storyline. Should he not get the title shot, where he has a reason to be upset, um, which always does good uh, good box office, and upset Nick Diaz com- campaigning and complaining. About how an, he beats Anderson Silva and he doesn't get the title shot that was promised to Anderson Silva. And now you have, you know, the the disgruntled Nick Diaz that everybody knows and loves. Is it possible that this was a an advertising thing, a, 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 mm. a, a planned marketing thing? I
2: don't know. Only one person can... Uh...
0: Tinfoil hat off.
2: I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 who knows? I, I just feel like I don't need that stipulation for this fight. It's one of those rare... I agree rare with you. That's
0: why I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. It makes
2: no sense to me. Eh, title shots. You know, title shots are a sexy thing to say. It, but who, uh, wasn't,
0: who wasn't in on yeah.
2: Diaz Silva? I mean, look, the context. He's sitting there. Dana White's sitting there. It's UFC tonight. He's being asked these questions, and he throws it out there. It's not like they went out of their way to say it, promote it. We'll see how it's promoted leading up to the fight, but if you told me... If you came out and told me that the winner of Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz would 100% not get a title shot, no matter what they do, I'd still be just as interested and excited for that fight. I don't need the title to be in play here. And I'd like to see guys like Rockhold and Jacare get a shot at the title. Um, You know, maybe with a few more wins, Anderson. And and look, I I know both fights against Chris were a little controversial. Uh, I still see it as Chris for... Anderson, zero as far as rounds are concerned. And I'd like to see him fight some fresh guys. So, well, we'll see what happens. But um, after this fight, regardless of what happens, I kind of want to see Nick
0: go back down to 170. Our next question, will Rory McDonald versus Hector Lombard be the main event for the Montreal pay-per-view? Any idea what it might be? You know, perhaps I should have
2: asked him that question, but I think deep down inside I know the answer. I don't think it's going to be the main event. You know, the UFC has tried to make a... Conscious effort to make all pay per view main events title fights. Now, of course, Anderson Silver versus Nick Diaz isn't a title fight, but more to my point, it doesn't need any titles involved, right? Um so I would expect some kind of title fight as the main event, especially such a big arena, big market for the UFC. Um I could see that being the co main event. Right now, don't know what it is. I've heard a couple of options, but don't feel comfortable reporting them right
0: now. Okay, our next question if Dan Henderson beats Musasi. Could you see a potential? Uh, could you see the potential for a Bisping versus Henderson 2? Oh wow! I think the build-up would be fun. Wow! And the winner could get a number one contender fight. I don't know about the second part of the question, but you know, <laughs> I haven't. Everybody who replied in the comment section <laughs> said the same thing. But they <laughs> don't know about the second part.
2: Sorry, Hydro. See, um, I didn't even think of that because, of course, he has to get in there and win the fight, and that's a tough one against Gegard. But yeah, sign me up. I love that. All in on that. Bisping
0: Hendo, them going back and forth, absolutely. I mean, and you get to play that clip over and over yes. and over and over. you know over. how much Bisping hates it and, and they hate each other. Henderson loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It'll great. It would be amazing. Henderson, his logo is that yep. punch. Yeah. It's a fun logo, but yeah, sign me up. I love it. Uh, it's great. And, you know, obviously they'd be a few away from a contender fight after that. And by the way, Rockhold back in the mix because
2: Rockhold trains with Henderson. He's there right now helping him prepare for Gegard. So you throw him in the mix as well.
0: A pissed off Michael Bisping is... Is a fun Michael Bisping. Our final question from the website. What do you think about CM Punk training at Rufus Sport? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for several reasons. A, it's the best, biggest,
2: most well-known, most experienced gym in his area. Now, I know he's from Chicago. He lives in Chicago, but it's only 90 minutes away from where he lives. Um, he's able to drive there, go home, maybe stay for a couple days, um, and then go back home. But he doesn't have to move his life. He doesn't have to move his family. He doesn't have to go to California or New York or anywhere in between. So uh, I think it just makes the most sense. Um, And then you have, I mean, just look at who's there. You have Duke Rufus, amazing striking coach, one of the very best. And I knew that they would settle their differences or whatever differences there were. You got Ben Askren, Olympic wrestler. Look what he's done with the other guys there. You have the champ there. You have Anthony Pettis, and then the other guys coming up, You know, his brother Sergio, uh, Eric Koch. Chico Camus. I mean, there are a lot of UFC fighters there. It's on an unknown gym. They're not going to treat him like some kind of superstar, put him on a pedestal and not push push him. Um, it just makes all the sense in the world. It's local. Um, it's, it's it's a great place. He has great striking, great jujitsu, great wrestling. It's, it's a no-brainer in my opinion. I'm sure, you know, if there was a place 20 minutes from his home, that'd be even better. But there really aren't that many great places that have it all in Chicago. So 90 minutes away... Not all that bad, and uh, and I think he made he made the right call for himself. So, yeah, I have no problem with it.
0: Let's transition to the Twitter questions. What would be a realistic success scenario for CM Punk? I think breaking the top 20 is realistic.
2: You know, I don't know. I think it's a little too early to say that. Um, it's a little too early to weigh in, really. I think realistic, I mean, he wins a fight, wins two fights. I mean, who knows? It's
0: hard. I You know what I mean? I have a hard time. Sure.
2: I don't what, know what realistic so, is. So
0: at this very moment, what would you consider a success for CM Punk in the Wins UFC? his debut. And, that, and that's all be, that it takes. It has to be that and that only. We don't know what Kay. is gonna
2: happen. It that's has fair. to be just win the first fight. That's fair enough. Because if he gets starched in his debut, the interest in the second fight is, is gonna gone. be yep. minimal if not non existent. If he wins his debut, the interest in the second fight will be gigantic, will be insane. So it has to be just that first fight. It can't be anything more. And it has to be against an opponent. I mean, Kyle Pendred is not going to get CM Punk. There's no chance in hell. Nor, nor even near Kyle Pendred. Um, it just has to be that first fight. He has to win that first fight. And look kind of good in doing so. It can't just be, you know, his opponent breaks his ankle in the first minute and he wins as a result. He's has to look kind of good doing so. So, you know, now he's with a coach. I mean, tremendous striking coach. Great wrestling coach. They have a great jiu-jitsu coach there as well. I mean... Let's see now. Now things are in motion. Let's see where he goes from here. It's going to be a fun ride. I I, I mean, look. Forget about who he is, where he's from. You're taking a guy. This has never happened. You're taking a guy with no experience. And he's just a piece of clay. He's a little piece piece of Play-Doh that my son plays with every day. And they're going to try to mold him into a fighter. They're going to try to get this guy to win a fight in 10 months or so. So it's a pretty cool thing to watch. And then you add to the fact that he's famous and his, his background all that stuff, but just the idea of someone who has no experience right now, and if he stepped foot in the octagon right now, he had no business, he would not know what to do. I mean, of course, he'd know how to survive and, and fight. Anyone know, you know, you put me in the octagon right now, I know how to throw a punch, but not the right way, not the best way, not the most technical way. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of unique. We've never seen this before. I say embrace it. Embrace the grind.
0: I agree. Hang tight. We may have, uh, we may have lost our Twitter questions Uh for just for a second. Okay. 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 Um, what I would say is I think getting in the fight is a success. I'd say if he just shows up for the first, uh, for the first fight, it was worthwhile, honestly, because they'll get the pay-per-view buys. Uh, he'll have tested himself and, you know, he'll see if it was worth it. And, uh, and that'll be and that'll be enough in my opinion, I think you know putting the expectation that he has to to win the fight that's just gravy at that point in mm-hmm. my opinion i think I think they just need the first one, and then it's all good,
2: yeah, I mean if he loses a close one, he could have a second one and, and you know he's not looking at it as just one and done, but it has to be justified right, but
0: that's his i mean his expectations now. It should be said, his expectations are clearly going to be different than my expectations of what would be a success. I'm looking at it from what would be a success for this experiment from the UFC's point of view, from you know a viewer's point of view. From his point of view, I'm sure he has no expectations other than winning his first fight, winning his second fight, becoming... You know, a contender and winning the championship. If, mm. as as many have said, and he, I believe he said, if you're in it for any other reason, you're probably not in it for the right reason. Yeah. Um, but this, I'm looking at it not from his perspective, because that's you know, he's he his his uh his analysis of himself and his uh, expectations of himself are going to be obviously the most tough out of anybody's. So, our final question. Once I get it full screened here is what do you see as the most entertaining first fight for Rampage? Uh, This person posits Shogun, Henderson, Bader, somebody else. Honestly, none of the above. I'm going to go with Jimmy Manoa.
2: I like that fight because of the, the Styles matchup. It'll be a lot of fun. And I like the idea of Rampage fighting a younger guy. And I know he's not, you know, the youngest guy out there on the roster. But, you know... Somewhat unproven, trying to climb the ranks. He's coming off a loss to Gustafsson. who was supposed to fight uh, just a couple of months ago. I had to pull out. I like that. I, I don't want to see him go. You know, through the older guys who he's already fought, or you know, has a history with, or something like that. I, you know, I don't want to see the Bader fight again. We saw that the Shogun fight is fine, but I kind of want to see Shogun take a bit of a break anyway. So uh, he's filming The Ultimate Fighter. I, I don't see it happening, honestly. Uh, Henderson's not fighting at 205 anymore, at least right now. So I don't see that happening as well. So you look at the rest of the roster. Um, you know, th- th- maybe there's the Rashad fight out there. You know, he's supposed to fight Glover Teixeira, but Glover pulled out due to an injury. So maybe that one. But I I kind of feel like you want to build up to that if you want to do the rematch again. So I like the Manoa fight. He's ranked 10. Why not?
0: I kind of want to see Rampage against the, the, the familiar faces. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Why 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 put him in... You want to try to build stars, especially at 205. You need some more names. You need I don't necessarily want to see Rampage as somebody who's a star builder. Yeah. I don't kind of want to see him in that role. I want to see Rampage fight. So I wanna who do you want to see him fight? I'm cool with any of those Shogun, Hendo. You want to see Bader again? Well, Bader, you. I think we could take him at his word that that probably wasn't his best camp. He was probably... Heard and just wanted to fight in Japan. I, I, looking at the performance, I believe it. Just he just we've seen Rampage get beat before, and then that one was something I'm not sure I've ever seen. Um, so I'll take him at his word that that was probably that was probably a rough one for him. Um, not, not that I'm thinking he would beat Bader or Bader would necessarily beat him, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be terribly upset at that fight again. Um, I don't have a problem with Manoa, but I'd rather I'd rather see him up you know against guys we saw him. Um, who his contemporaries in, in pride and um, the guys who are kind of getting, you know, long in the tooth that can still put on fights. Yeah, I could see why you said, but... you said Rashad. I mean, Rashad's not a spring chicken himself. And I feel like that's more of a, that's closer to what I'm talking about than really a star maker.
2: No, I know. But, and by the way, I said, I don't want to see the Rashad fight right away. I'd rather build up to that. Cause I think that the rematch could be a very big deal if they're both on a roll I just feel like if I'm building an organization and I look at a division where there aren't a lot of big names right now, a lot of big players, contenders, you got Rampage there. Look, if he beats Manoa, great. If he loses to Manoa, well, he's still Rampage, and now you have a guy in Manoa. I feel like that's the way you should book these older guys.
0: Yeah, I mean... What's the point in having them knock each other off? It would be fun to watch. Yeah, What's but you, the, you uh, always
2: look a little long term. At least that's the way I see it. Yes. What was
0: the fight before John Jones for uh, Gustafson? Was it the Shogun fight? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's. I guess that's a good example of it.
2: That's exactly it. Rory BJ, same card, right? Yeah. That's the way I feel like the UFC should book these guys. Um, even Rumble Nogueira. That's you know, those are, uh, are like oh, Nogueira wow. Shogun.
0: No, Rumble Nogueira.
2: Yeah. That's that makes more sense than seeing Noguera Shogun at this point.
0: I'm saying though, that's not, who who are we building in that scenario? Rumble. Oh, I'm wow. Uh, I, I'm, I thought, thought you Big were talking about, no. I thought you were talking about Rampage. Oh yeah, yeah. Rumble Rampage. I was like completely no. Off the, Rumble Nogueira. Rumble Noguera. Ah, okay, okay, okay. That kind of booking makes a lot more sense. Um, I thought you were saying Rampage and Nogueira. I was like, what are we talking about here? That's the same. Um, thing. Rampage Lil' Nog? Nah. Yeah, you don't want to see that, right? I'm okay with that one. Yeah. I kind of mm. like all these. I'd like to see him with Henderson. i like him to see him with Shogun. i like to see him with uh, Lil' Nog. Well, bring it. I want to see those. But, Not I mean, it. yeah, the UFC probably has other plans and... We'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> I mean, might be Jimmy Manoa, might be somebody else, but, yeah, let's, maybe down the line. After, you know, let's say he loses that one, then you, you say, hey, let's do Shogun rampage, something like that. Uh that's it for today.
2: How about my man Big Black from the MTV show tweeting uh to both Rory McDonald and Fightland right now? How many people does Rory got to beat to get that
0: title shot if he disposes of Hector got to give him. If he if he's tweeting at Rory and Fightland, he should tweet how many people does Rory have to beat to get that suit. That's true. What the hell? Let's get him that suit, folks. I think it was in Brooklyn where he did that. Um, What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. D- didn't he do something similar? Am I thinking of something else? Wasn't there another one where he did that? Something- I know. I know the
2: clip he's talking about, and it was a couple years ago. Maybe Connor, you're thinking oh, of? no, no. If it was a,
0: I thought this was a new clip. Oh no, it's old. It's old. That he was talking yeah, about yeah. that didn't come out. No, no, no. For a while, if it's that one from. Early in Fightland, then yeah, I remember that one very well. Okay,
2: before we go, let's uh, go through the uh, the odds here. You ready? Cool. Uh, sure. Tateki Matsuda, Joby Sanchez, Sanchez. Correct. Matt Van Buren, Sean O'Connell, Van Buren. Incorrect. Charles Rosa, Sean Soriano.
0: Whew, that's a good one. Um, that is a good one. I'm gonna go with Soriano, but. Incorrect. Well, what's the uh, numbers on that one?
2: Minus 137, plus 123. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. By the way, Van Buren, plus 158, minus 170 for O'Connell. Frankie Perez, Johnny Case. Don't know. No clue. Uh, S- Case. Super close as well. Case, minus 172, plus 166 for Perez. Shane Howell, Patty Houlihan. Patty. Minus 253 for Patty, plus 231 for Shane Howell. Chris Wade, Jiang Lipeng. Wade. Yes. Great debut at UFC 177 for Wade. Looking forward to his next fight, uh, minus 420, plus 373. John Howard,
0: Lorenz Larkin. Hmm. I've talked many, many times. Shout out to Michael Carroll about my thoughts on John Howard's fighting style and how it applies to betting. Really? Uh, On this show? Yeah, because everybody thinks, you know, oh, John Howard's going to sit in there and slug, and the, that's not how he fights at all. Um, so I'm going to go Howard because of the threat of the takedown. Plus 130 for
2: Howard. What? Minus 147 for Lorenzo I'm Larkin. all over that. I'm uh, all over it. Call
0: Pendred Sean Spencer. Uh, whoof that's another one. Uh, I'll go Pendred for this one.
2: Wrong. Plus one forty-seven Pendred, minus one fifty-five Spencer.
0: I could see that. Lots of close uh, ones. He, well, he looked. He didn't look great. Let's be honest. In his last fight.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So I, I, I could see that for sure.
2: Gleison Tibau, Norman Park. Uh, Tibau. Minus one thirty-five Tibau, Park plus one twenty-four. Man, there, there are, they are a lot close. of
0: close, interesting fights on this card. Benson Henderson, Donald Cerrone, uh, Benson
2: minus one forty five. Benson plus one thirty three. Cerrone. This is insane. Are, is is yeah.
0: anything in the two hundreds?
2: Conor McGregor, Dennis Seaver, <laughs> uh, Dennis Seaver all yeah. day. Uh, minus nine fifty right now for Conor is, McGregor. Is anything
0: over two to one?
2: Other than that one, um, Chris Wade minus four twenty, plus three seventy three. Shane Howell, Patty Houlihan,
0: and then other than that, it's all at once. That is, that is a nicely uh, matched-up card. I like that a lot. Doomsday Howard, I'm thinking I'm going to put some money down on that one. Wow. the wrestling In Boston, pe- by the way. People, people <laughs> get, it, get it through your head. He's, he's not this guy who's just going to stand there and stupidly trade in the pocket. He throws some punches, uses it to set up a clinch against a cage, or uses it to set up a single leg, and he just takes people down. I think that I think that's a good. I, I'm I'm think uh, I'm pretty happy with that one. I think I'm gonna pick Doomsday for that. Um, what what was Lorenz's
2: last fight? Lorenz Larkin fought in um, Sacramento, I believe, against Derek Brunson. Um, another
0: wrestler. Right there. All right. Um, yeah, Derek Brunson. Lost. Yeah. What a what a card. Nice card.
2: It is a great card. uh, Just letting you know that it kicks off at 6 p.m. on UFC Fight Pass. Then we have 7 p.m. Fox Sports 1. And then 10 p.m. Fox Sports 1. Expect a lot of promotion during the NFC Championship game on Sunday. That's why this card is taking place on Sunday. And by the way, speaking of Fight Pass, shout out to my friends over at Fight Pass because they're putting out (laughs) some great content. They just acquired all those uh, fight libraries which we touched on last week, and also they have a, a new photography special on George St. Pierre. They do a great job of uh, capturing a slice of these guys' careers. He talks about the, I'm not impressed by your performance quote and how he regrets and all that stuff. So I definitely uh, suggest checking it out. And also the uh, Nevada Athletic Commission hearing will be taking place there in just a matter of moments. You'll be able to watch it on UFC Fight Pass in just a couple uh, of minutes. Um, before I go, just want to mention Bellator 132. That's on Spike TV. This Friday, uh, the card, at least the main card, is as follows. Fernando Gonzalez versus Mary Suromskis. Houston Alexander versus Virgil Swicker. Bubba Jenkins versus Georgie Karakanian, which is an interesting fight at 145 and also at 145. Patricio Pitbull versus Daniel Strauss for the featherweight title. That should be a lot of fun. And then also on Saturday, Beltor, by the way, is on Friday. World Series is fighting on Saturday. UFC's on Sunday, so no competition for any of them. Uh, We have World Series of Fighting, and the main fight, the one that you need to know about, is Brian Foster versus Jake Shields, the winner getting a title shot, the winner facing Husimar Pagliaris. I think a lot of people will be interested in Jake Shields versus Husimar Pagliaris. That fight card taking place in Las Vegas. That's on NBCSN. uh, Prelims at 7 p.m., main card 9 p.m. on NBCSN. And then one last note before I go... Next week's show is on Tuesday, not Monday. Tuesday, January 20th. Why? Because UFC is on Sunday, traveling back on Monday. And it's also Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And we're always working during that day. So why not honor it? But that's not the reason why. We're always here uh, typically. But it's because the UFC is doing a show on Sunday and I'll be traveling back. So the show will be on Tuesday right before I head out to Sweden for UFC on Fox 14.
0: Three straight weeks of traveling it should be a lot of fun. Before we go, real quick. Yes. Check out the dope shirt. Dudes at seventhmode.com, sent it. All your favorite MMA fighters. Um, I wore it last week, forgot to plug it. Go get one. Pretty cool.
2: Yes. I think there's two that I can't name.
0: I think I think I can name them. You want to
2: do it real, real quick? Okay, very fast.
0: All right. Start naming them.
2: Oh, I can't see it. Uh, Oh, you can't see it? We, we, we can't put it here, right?
0: Um, yet, we
2: it here. Oh, we can? Okay, there it is. All right, let's go uh, my left to right. Yep. Vincent Henderson, Showtime Pettis, Roy Nelson, Uriah Faber, Kazushi Sakuraba, Anderson Silva, Mark Hunt, Rampage Jackson, Ronda Rousey, Mirko Krokop, John Jones, Alistair Overeem, George St. Pierre, Nick Diaz. Now, here's the one that. I think that
0: that's I, Fitch. You think it's Fitch? I think it's Fitch.
2: I don't know about that because all these guys are contemporary UFC guys right now. It's, I don't you no. think it's pro
0: cop contemporary. Well, UFC? Well, I guess
2: you're right. You're right. Um, anyhow, so that's the one I can't get. Chuck. Yeah, Chuck. Uh, I think that's
0: Ian McCall. I think so too, but the, the hat, hat throws me off a little bit. That's more Pickett than McCall, but but it looks like he has the it's, handlebar it's, mustache. It does look like a mustache. Yeah. Uh,
2: Leonardo Machida, Conor McGregor.
0: Now I think this is uh, Johnny Hendricks.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: So Fitch and Hendricks are the one we kind of maybe And McCall were on the
2: fence. The rest are no-brainers. I think no it's brainers. McCall,
0: though, but I mean. And by the way, why does Alistair Overeem have blue gloves on? Pride. I know, but
2: he seems like the bigger Overeem.
0: <laughs> uh, no.
2: It's a great shirt, though.
0: Fantastic. Poor Benson mode. Henderson, the, o- the only one who's getting, yeah, kind of yeah. rocked a little bit. What's but I mean, It's again? such an iconic moment. Uh, the number seven, T-H-M-O-D-E.com, 7thmode.com. Thanks to uh, James and the team over there. All right. You get my music, Alex. So again, uh, we are off next Monday.
2: We're back on Tuesday. Hope you don't miss us too much. But there will be a lot to digest coming off UFC Fight Night Boston. Conor McGregor, will he get that title shot? Wow, it is going to be quite the scene in Boston on Sunday night. Of course, if the Patriots defeat the Colts and punch their ticket to the Super Bowl, I'm assuming there will be a lot of happy people in that arena. And then Conor McGregor is the dessert. Nice fight card. Looking forward to the atmosphere. Looking forward to being there. Looking forward to the short flight. Coverage starts on Thursday. Weigh-ins are on Saturday. Should be a lot of promotion for that. All weekend long on Fox, especially during the NFC Championship game. If you're wondering why they're doing this NFC Championship game between 3.30 and 6.30, you're gonna be around 50-60 million people watching that. Good promotion for both the network and Mr. McGregor himself I want to thank everyone who stopped by thank you to everyone who tuned in thank you very much to Brandon Gibson for his time good luck to him and Joby Sanchez this Sunday thank you very much to John Cavanaugh great stuff as always thank you for tweeting that picture by the way that was great nice to see you in the robe thank you very much to Carl Pendred good luck to him as he faces Sean Spencer thank you very much to Johnny Hendricks no hard feelings. Always appreciate talking to the former champion. Thank you very much to Matt Brown. Good luck getting that fight. And thank you very much to Rory McDonald. Good luck against Hector Lombard, April 25th in Montreal. Thanks to all of you. If you missed anything, iTunes Stitcher, SoundCloud, MakeFunny.com, all that good stuff. We'll see you next Tuesday until they say peace. So I'm out of here.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater.